Welcome to episode 012 of the Bit Beacon Broadcast. We've pre-titled this episode, Sights and Smells of the TGAs. That's right. TGAs being short for... The Game Awards. Yes. Uh, it'll be a big topic today. Uh, I just want to mention it's December 13th, 2023. And let's jump into what have we been playing, what have we been buying. Uh, you go first. Okay, so um, the only thing I've really been playing, aside from a lot of Pokemon Home organization, because I had a bunch of stuff imported from Pokemon Go and other games and stuff, I needed to really... Yeah, have you ever looked at your playtime for Pokemon Home? Uh, I haven't. Okay, yeah, go to your Nintendo Switch profile and you'll probably be shocked at how many hours... I can't imagine. Like, you've probably spent more hours in Pokemon Home than you've spent in, like, some Pokemon games. Yeah, like a thousand hours. (laughs) It's crazy. I spend so much time. Because well, when you have all your additional shinies, like your mm-hmm. extra shinies, yeah. that you need to go line up in those boxes. Right. And then, you know, your new shinies that you need to put in your collection. Yeah, you spend a lot of time. You also spend a lot of time going through, like, cattle, like I do at least, with a notepad writing down everything I okay. need. And, and Yeah, I have a... I have a digital notepad that where I keep log of like, yeah. like almost like I can make it into a checklist so I can hit the little check mark in Google Keep whenever I get a new shiny. That That's a good idea. I'm yeah. still into using physical. Notepads. I mean, no, I hey, I I like you know writing down you know yeah. pen and paper. That feels good. It does, yeah. Um, but yeah, it would be more useful because then when you're out and about, you know, and you get that new shiny, you yeah. can just check it off immediately. True. Yeah, I should do it on my phone. You're right. Uh, um, but yeah. Spending a lot of time in Pokemon Home. Aside from that, I I put in a good, probably close to six hours of Honkai Star Rail. Nice. Nice to see you picking that back up after I shamed you last week. No. (laughs) It wasn't because of that. Oh, no, it wasn't? Oh, okay. Um, You did that of your own volition? I did. I was sitting on the couch and just decided to flip it on. Yeah. So um, I played, I beat the, what, Doomsday Beast? So um, that was like the the big boss that has like multiple phases, right? Yeah. It has like two or three HP bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He so you have to fight his left hand, right hand, and his right. head, and then he regenerates, yeah. and you do it again. But he's got like new abilities yeah. after he'll start like. Does he like capture some people on your team and like lock them down or something? Like I that? didn't see him do that, oh, okay. but I might have been. Might be thinking of a different boss. I probably grinded pretty hard. Oh, okay, and leveled up to the point where. He didn't get to play all gotcha. of that. Okay, that's fair. It is like the the intro. It's like the big boss of the tutorial, effectively. Mm, I wouldn't call the whole space station a tutorial necessarily. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, at that point, if you haven't yet quite boarded and gone to the first planet, you're still basically in it's a tutorial. It's got to be one of gaming history's longest tutorials. Then cause... there's a lot of systems to be introduced to. Yeah. in the game. I've. I've put like 20 hours into this and okay. I'm still on board the space station. <laughs> so yeah, but, in your world is about to be open dramatically yeah, when you I can't imagine. I'm go to the, the first world. Uh it's still very it's it's not like you're going into an open world game. Mm-hmm. It's still like individual environments that are linked between like loading screens. Okay. So it is it's kind of more of a kind of old school, more traditional mm-hmm. RPG vibe to it. Which is good cuz it Yeah. Follows the theme of the turn-based battle system. Yeah, and, all and that. it breaks it down into like 
areas and you can easily like keep track of like all the hidden collectibles in the individual areas you can see like oh i've got six of eight treasure chests in this area things Mm -hmm. like that so yeah there's there's a lot of um i don't know do you tell me if this is a thing in the future of the game okay but um on the space station at least i've noticed that there are enemies that are way more powerful than you that yeah. have, you know, big treasure chests behind them. Right, so you have to defeat that enemy in order to gain access to that right. treasure chest. But are you exposed to enemies far beyond your capacity a lot in the game? Have you tried fighting them? I have, and beat them. Okay, yeah, you... So every every new area you go to is likely to have at least one, if not two, of these sort of uh, high-level, more challenging battles that have, like, a treasure chest locked behind, you know, defeating them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you will continue to see that as you play through the game. Okay. And eventually you'll be at the level cap. Okay. You know, I think the level There's cap... 20, I believe. Well... They in- increase that, then. Yeah, so it actually goes all the way to 80, but you, you have to, like, uh, get certain materials to increase the character's level cap. So after you hit 20... You can unlock their level cap to go up to 40, and then like 50, and then like 60, and then set, or something like that. I gotcha. Do light cones do that too? Yes. They do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and because I think of your trailblazer level, you might be restricted mm. from ascending or whatever it is, the terminology they, they use for this game. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, as you level up your your trailblazer uh, level. level, you'll be able to... Yeah, I think they do that on purpose so you don't end up, like, doing something that's too challenging for you. Like, too fast. Right, okay. Gotcha, that makes sense. Um, That also is reminiscent of some old JRPGs and stuff. Um, You are going to start getting into... um, It kind of gets a little... It'll start to get a little more grindy the higher your character levels go. Because, like, to level up their skills and talents and things... You'll need, like, materials that you get from these sort of, like, repeatable things where you use your energy that you have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, like, noticed that you have, like, this thing is like, 240 out of 240 energy? Mm. Maybe it hasn't even introduced that to yeah, you yet. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I don't think you actually get introduced to that concept until... You leave? Until you okay. go to the first one. Hence, you're still in the tutorial. <laughs> I guess, okay. Well, I mean, like, a lot of games have tutorials throughout the whole game. Oh, yeah. There's definitely always new tutorials popping up, especially as they introduce new mechanics and things to the game. Right. Um, But, uh, yeah, like, it's a core functionality of the game, Mm -hmm. using your energy and that that capacity to farm materials and increase the level cap of your characters and increase their ability levels as well. Gotcha. Either way, I'm liking it. I'm still struggling with some of the gotcha stuff mechanics and just the fact that you're always online there were a couple times even in my last you know play session where the server got disconnected oh, like okay. right after a battle and server were you, you up super late or something yeah, yeah maybe the, the daily reset happened or something like that. something that wouldn't happen on a physical game sure and that's because in all my years playing genshin and and now the past year playing Star Rail, mm-hmm. I've never been disconnected unless my internet went down. Right. Um, but no, you this know, was a server thing. It said specifically. Oh, like a message came out said like yeah. server's going to come down or something. Yeah, no, it just said server error. Please reload. Oh, something like hmm. that. Like, 
Well, after we finish the podcast, since you brought your portal with you, I feel like maybe you can log into your account and maybe I can give you some some pointers, some tips sure, on cool. how you can best optimize your oh yeah your Honkai Star Rail experience. My uh, all my with stellar jade and all that yeah, yeah and like your characters i can maybe recommend like what some good team compositions are sure yeah we can do that um and i'm guessing that's that's the yeah. extent of what you've been playing. oh well i could also say that i've been playing um teal mask a little bit oh, okay a little bit i didn't put a lot of time in but i did finally encounter that uh what what's it called the mochi pokemon what, what's it called? The Macho, Macho Pokemon, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sinistee? Or no, Sinistra. Sinistra, yeah, that's And then Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah. Yeah, so I got I got the two counterfeit ones. Of course. But, you know. Is that it? Is that, like, the only place it ap- appears in that one little ravine thing? They, anywhere where you see, like, these sort of bamboo areas, that's oh, okay. where you're going to find them. Gotcha. Yeah. So there's a handful of those scattered... I think primarily on the eastern side of the map. Oh, uh, yeah. Where you're going to see them mostly. That's where I'm at right yeah. now. Um, what happens... Okay, first of all, when can I go back to Paldea? I think at any time. At any time? Yeah. I just go back to the bus stop in the beginning? No, you go. You just go to your map, and I think you, ju- you can just toggle between... Like fly there? Essentially, yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, and then... Uh, shoot, I had another question. Oh yeah, does anything happen to Paldea after I beat Teal Mask? Like, do Pokemon from Teal Mask start showing up in Paldea? Or no, like that? no. Okay. I think if there's going to be any like big consequential things, it's going to come from the second DLC, mm-hmm. which is actually launching tonight. Right. Um, and I'm eager to play a little bit of that before yeah. I have to go to bed and work tomorrow. Um, but uh, yes. Uh, that's what I've been waiting for. I haven't really been playing anything too new because I've been waiting for this DLC. But did you did you have another question about? No, that's it. No. Um, so yeah, I've just been keeping up with. Uh, it's been a busy week, I would say, for myself personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you too, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's that time of year. December, like I, I've gone on ad nauseum, but something on the calendar seemingly every day in December. Yeah, and that's just... just how it is. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't started any new games since I finished Final Fantasy 2, um, and I've just been kind of biding my time for the Pokemon DLC tonight. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I did have a couple orders uh, come in for some games that I picked up around Black Friday sales and deals. And Let me ask you real quick, yeah. though, because um, Square Enix shadow dropped the DLC for 16, right? They did. The Game Awards. Yes, they dropped the first... First of two DLCs. Right. Yeah. So have you played that yet? No, I haven't. I haven't bought it yet. Okay. I oh. figure I'll just wait till the second DLC's out and I'll just do both, both. at the same time. Gotcha. Rather okay. than like have to relearn the game twice. Right. You know, in between months off and away from it. Right. I'd rather just kind of go back to it and, you know, wrap my brain around it one time and just get through everything. I am very excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, especially the second, the first DLC seems to be sort of like, almost like a, a little side dungeon with some cool new bosses. I've heard like a very, very cool new final boss in that area. Mm-hmm. But the second DLC looks like it's going to be really meaty, introduce a whole new area, a whole new, uh, icon that you can get the summon for. And people are theorizing that. Do you know who it is? 
the trailer talked about it, but okay. it's it, so. Anyways, in the base game of Final Fantasy sixteen, mm, I'm trying to think of a I way. I hope it's Carbuncle. I'm trying to think of a way where the, I'm not spoiling things too much. But basically, because there's going to be a whole new icon for Clive to absorb their power, mm-hmm. he will be complete. So in the base game, when you first play it, because he's missing this um, summon that he didn't never this icon that he never absorbed, mm-hmm. I will call the main antagonist of the game. Basically, isn't able to make use of Clive. Mm-hmm. as he had hoped he would be able to because he's sort of incomplete. Mm-hmm. And so now people are theorizing that this DLC, if you complete this DLC and then go back and do the final boss, that it will essentially Change. unlock a whole new uh, ending, like, ending uh, of the game, yeah. which is probably correct. And yeah. that, sounds that sounds crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like the first is like, oh, they're just like, introducing this little expansion that happens sometime in the game that you just didn't do it prior for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh, wow, there could be a whole new ending. And Because I will say 16 ends pretty definitively. Like, it doesn't really leave room for much of a sequel or a continued dive into this world. I mean... This could be, a, like, a, a whole new way to incentivize New Game Plus. I, I mean, there already is New Game Plus, but yeah, yeah even no, more I mean, so. like, an iteration on the concept yeah. of New Game Plus. So I'm pretty excited for the the thought of this new DLC, especially if it has, like, major story implication and essentially changes the ending from what it originally was. Because mm-hmm. um, the game has a great ending, but it's, like, very final. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's not much coming back from what happened, so right. to say. Um, but now we, they will make you play it again. Yeah, I'm oh, telling I'll, you, I'll do. I'll go to that final boss battle again and discover a whole new ending or whatever. Totally change your tune from previously. Because I would love to. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make a sixteen two or whatever they'll do next. But right. like, if it leaves it open for something like that, I would be so down to go back. That's every Final Fantasy. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's I, only happened a couple times. That's how I felt about ten. Well, t- 10, 12, you could say 7, for sure. Yeah, 7's gotten a new lease on life. Um, Multiple times. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm not even talking about the remake. I'm yeah. talking about, like, just yeah, all 7. Spin, yeah, yeah, everything. Um, But, yeah, it's... I think that's it. I think, yeah. yeah, it's just those three installments. Well, 12? No, 13. Lightning. Oh, yeah, you're right. Lightning 13. got three games. Yeah, you're right. Which yeah. is crazy. 13 got three yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, not even the most well-liked entry, but she kept getting games. I didn't spend a lot of time with 13. Yeah, me either. It's something I do want to revisit. It looked amazing. Like the, We played it at PAX yeah, we in did, 2011. Yeah. The, or maybe that was 13-2. I remember walking up, like, a mountain trail and looking off in the distance yeah. and seeing just how high resolution the textures yeah, were, right. especially on PS3. But it, that game was very linear. You were literally yeah. just walking along like, oh yeah it's like a beautiful environment mm-hmm. details but like not somewhere you could actually go and i mean explore so much that's how it was that's how it was that all, then. yeah yeah all the way up until that's why like, games like skyrim at yeah. that time period right. like blew people's minds it was like you're off the rails now yeah. you know and yeah. you really do have like 
uh, a 40 by 40 mile radius to mm-hmm. explore, you know? I want to say 15 is the first single player Final Fantasy that was truly, like, open. Um, 15? Uh, for Final Fantasy? I mean, you could argue the early Final Fantasies are open world. Yeah... Yeah, but there are places you can't go and start until That's true. Yeah, like you're like until you get a ship or an airship, right. you're you're somewhat restricted. Right. But you you can definitely get lost in those games, oh, especially yeah. once you get like a ship. You can yeah. end oh, up yeah. in places you're not supposed to be yet. But with like open side quests and stuff and you know, you get just inundated with, you know, 20 side quests in your log and stuff. Yeah. That I think 15 is the one that started that. At least for a single player. I probably Final Fantasy Eleven started it if you want to get multiplayer. Okay, true. Um, we've gone a lot, a little off topic. A little but that's bit. Okay, I love talking well, about you, Final you Fantasy. You brought up Final Fantasy. I know, and that's never a good idea. It's around your you. fault. <laughs> um, so real quick, I uh, won't dive too deep into these, but I picked up uh, two games uh, over Black Friday that just more recently showed up. I've got. Shimigami Tensei Tensei uh, Strange Journey mm-hmm. Redo. Do you say Redo or do you say Redux? I say Redux. You say Redux. Yeah. Okay. I think they're technically both correct. Mm. Um, but Redo kind of sounds lame. It does because I mean, there's an English word called Redo. Yeah. That means something slightly different. Right. Um. um but uh, yeah, this uh, Video Games Plus. Have you ever heard of them? Uh, they're a Canadian retailer. And they specialize in doing, like, reprints mm-hmm. of games. And, uh, well, they can't reprint 3DS games anymore or work with the publishers to reprint 3DS games anymore. They had uh, a selection of a lot of Shimigami Tensei, like, 3DS games that are, like, really hard to find and really expensive now. Mm-hmm. And they were selling them for, like, MSRP prices. Um, Strange Journey was, like, a really weird spinoff. I think it was like a third-person shooter or something like that. Um, doesn't look like a third-person shooter. Uh, it, was, it was something out. Well, let me see it. It looks like Shimigami Tensei. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Uh, was that on original DS? I want to say this was like a Saturn game or something oh, like that okay. originally. I, I could very well be wrong. I remember one on DS that was like a robot, and I swear it was Strange Journey. It had like a robot-looking yeah. thing on the cover. But in addition to this, they were selling stuff like the overclocked 1 and 2 games for mm-hmm. 3DS. Okay. The tactical Shimagami Tensei yeah. games. Um, um, I decided just to grab this one. Uh, mainly because it's got the original like Shimigami Tensei artist. I love this cover artwork here. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and it seemed like a more traditional one and uh, something I might actually want to get around to playing. Real quick, Double, Double Survivor and Double Survivor Overclocked are, are um, strat- tactical RPGs. Right, they were DS originally, yeah. and then they ported them I, and made like overclocked versions for I, 3DS, they call yeah, them. Yeah, so it was uh, Double Survivor... And then Double Survivor right. Overclocked was a port with an additional chapter. Yes. And I beat that one. And there was Devil Survivor 2 as well. And then that mm-hmm. also got like... I don't know if they called it Overclocked, but they called it something similar. It got a similar yeah. treatment. Exactly. Um, and right. then I picked up Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 for Switch, which I previously already owned physically. Now, this physical only released in Asia or Asia territories, mm-hmm. 
Um, and the copy I picked up years ago for Nintendo Switch was like the Chinese copy. Okay. So while the cartridge had like an English logo on the artwork, um, the exterior artwork was all in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I saw that they had at some point put out a English version of the cover and the spine and the descriptions on the back are all in English. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, yeah. you know what? I want this one for my collection. So I did pick this up. So now I have this twice, but I'm, I'd much prefer having the uh, I do that copy. when they have like the greatest hits versus the black label. Yeah. I have a bunch of games and yeah. I have both. So I, I don't blame you for that. Yeah. So I got both. It's kind of a frivolous purchase, but if I were to get rid of one, I would get rid of the Chinese one and yeah. keep this one. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it would look a lot more clean with the rest of my games to have it in. For sure. Have it in English. It's not bad to have both. No. Um, so, yeah, waiting on the DLC for Pokemon tonight. I'm ready to wrap this episode up. Mm-hmm. Let's call it a day and transmission. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. We're out of here. <laughs> um, let's talk about what we've been up to. Now, we we both last week attended the Game Awards, but and we're going to get into that. But we're yeah. just going to talk about a few other things before we get there. Mm-hmm. Um Rick, in particular, has been missing. Yeah, so... <clears throat> He's got a lot to share with us. Yeah, so uh, you could say that this is... I've been three weeks with not being on the podcast. Since you recorded, yeah. Since, yeah, since I recorded, because episode 10 was pre-recorded, and then last week, Sam filled in, yes, which Sam. I want to I talk about. Thank you, Sam. Um, also, like, you did a great job. Uh, you were well-researched. You knew what you were talking about. You talk a little bit fast when you get into it, but I understand, like, I have quirks, too, when I get passionate. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but overall, like, fit to fill in. Fit to guy. fill in. He's, yes. Yeah, he I'm was, looking forward to the, the time you two get to record an episode together. Might, be, to be, might a, be my favorite episode because, you know, wow. it's... Well, yeah, because, like, listening to myself, like, that's all stuff I said. Right. But listening to someone else's opinion is more entertaining yeah like it, it i thought it would be see that's why i would love for when the opportunity arises i really hope the two of you sit down and do one because i i think i'd be really excited to mm-hmm. like hear both of you something i had like no involvement in yeah and you guys are just like i'm listening to something i i have no idea what's gonna happen that's how i felt about this you yeah. know episode 11 when i'm listening to episodes that you and i are on like, because I, I, I'll re-listen to some of our episodes a couple times over, mm-hmm. at least once before we publish it, mm-hmm. and then sometimes again after I publish it. Same. And I'll be, like, in my head saying what I'm about to say mm-hmm. on the podcast. Yeah. Like, I already know, like, what's about to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Even though I don't remember what I said, I know what my response is, yeah. like, going to be. they match up, like, yeah. exactly with yeah. what I say on that the podcast. That happens to me, too. Um, um, yeah. And then sometimes... Hearing myself, I'm like, come on, Rick. Like, you, you know, you should have said this, yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that was a missed too. opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, last week you were out due to some exter- external yeah. circumstances. External. But the previous week, the reason we had to pre-record is mm-hmm. because you were out of town. Uh, yeah, I was gone to I- Ohio. Finley, Idaho. Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I get him because I lived in Idaho and went to college for, you know, game design and stuff in Idaho. And the, I went to Ohio, so yeah, in my head. I, a lot of hoes. A lot of hoes. Man. <laughs> um, so, uh, Findlay, Ohio, really interesting town. Not what you'd expect 
from a town you've probably never heard of. They got a brewery? They have a brewery. Nice. Pretty good brewery. Um, I mean, I can't, like, in all honesty and sincerity, I can't place them above, like, you know, Stone or Ballast yeah, gotcha. Point, you know, but... But yeah, really, uh, really good brewery there, and a couple places that I'm actually took a lot of pictures of. I'm probably I intend to blog about. Um, he intends to everyone. I am going to blog about them. Whoa! It is going to happen. Okay, that's um, a commitment. Yeah, one is a trading card shop that I oh, entered, yeah, and it was insane. That. It was like crazy inside. Bigger than, like, trading card shops here. Yeah. Um, just aisles and aisles and aisles of board What's games. What's the population of Finley? Uh, 40,000. Oh, that's Something bigger like that. than you yeah. think, yeah. Um, and so... Uh, I was gonna say, maybe they don't have a lot to do, so... I'm thinking that this is probably the one place. This is, like... That, this like, is where everyone goes. If you're invested in Magic the Gathering and going to tournaments, and uh-huh. that's your life, and that's what you do, this is probably the one place that you go. That everyone goes. Right. Um, because they are, you know, have their whole Wizards of the Coast. I forgot what the league is called. But they have I'm sure all they're that. an official participant. They, they are, yeah. yeah. They're official Wizards. I asked the, the dude at the counter. Um, and they had just, like, a separate room that was just rows and rows and rows of tables. Like, like a gym. It was crazy. It's crazy how... Magic has just never waned. Magic the Gathering. No, no. Like, it, it is the mother of trading card games. Yep. It invented the trading card game. I mean, Pokemon cards are big, but not as much for playing, more for collecting, I feel. Yeah. I mean, not that there isn't a big oh, there playing is. community. Yeah. I'm sure that shop probably does Pokemon, too. Oh, yeah. And I I purchased uh, Lieutenant Surge's Raichu oh, from Gym Challenge. Nice. Um, just to support the place. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah, like walk what they're in doing. there, appreciate the hell out of it, yeah. and then buy nothing. Yeah. So I, I did buy that. Um, and I took some pictures, and I talked to the dude behind the counter and just asked him a little okay. bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was an experience. Uh, then there was this other place that I visited that was a bar and arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have pictures, I'll, I'll put the name on the, on the website, but, okay. um, it was a bar and then the, uh, you know, opposite wall, just like 50 yards of just arcade cabinets yeah. and they had Pac-Man, they had Centipede, they had everything you expect to see plus area 51 and, nice. you know, just a lot of light shooters. Those nice. were all like gr- grouped together mm-hmm. and then, um, it was just a lot. And then. The second wall, like, so the wall that the bar is on, adjacent the bar, mm-hmm. all pinball machines. And probably, like, 15 of them. Damn. Yeah, they had the Jurassic Park pinball machine. They had nice. the Metallica. Were they, like, the newer yeah. ones? They're the Stern pinball. And the newer, like, this is probably the first time I've experienced modern, modern pinball machines. Because yeah. arcades are kind of gone. Yeah. And... I just don't have access to one. At Comic-Con, they have this thing called... San Diego Comic-Con, I should say. The OG. Um, they have this thing called the Pinball Lounge. Mm-hmm. And it's... it's All the all the machines are, like, provided by that 
Stern Pinball Company, and they're all the like the brand new modern. And yeah, some of them are meh. They have but like some of them are insane. Yeah, insane like animatronics and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. um the Jurassic Park one in particular was like that. Like it had the T Rex that opens its mouth and swallows mm-hmm. the ball and spits it out or something. Yeah. And then they had like screens that have full 3D animations, yeah. like cinematics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I think, the Jurassic Park one where I had to make a choice. Yeah. Like I hit the ball somewhere and right. then had to make a choice. What? Yeah. What did I want to? You know, go after the virus or go? You know, like go whatever, after fossils yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, just crazy. That's like evolutionary of mm-hmm. pinball. Yeah. Um, and you know you can. I mean, they make them. Well, maybe not that one in particular, but, you know, they make these to sell to people to put in their homes mm-hmm. nowadays, yeah. While I was playing pinball, I t- started talking to the guy next to me who was at one of the machines. He started telling me about how he plays, like, not professionally, because, I mean, there's no career as a pinball player, but... Pinball wizards? He, he plays competitively, You're right. like, you know, and he has, he owns, like, seven oh, wow. and stuff. So people like that show up there. Yeah. You oh know? yeah, they're there to set some high scores, yeah. baby. Oh yeah. And just, you know, play, like practice and stuff. Um every pinball game is a different experience mm-hmm. even though it's still pinball. The Jurassic Park one is very different from the Metallica one. Yeah. You know, just but anyways, yeah. Really cool places. Um I look forward to blogging about those. So you brought your PlayStation Portal with you to Ohio. I did. Um, and I wanted to experience, because, you know, the system is still pretty new. I wanted to see what it's like to play on Wi-Fi while I'm out of state. Like, states away from um, your, your my PlayStation 5. Yeah. yeah. And uh worked great. There, I, You would think I'm on my couch. You know, I had, while I was in, like, the house, mm-hmm. no issues. I also purchased the Wi-Fi on the plane because I wanted to see what that was like. On the like. way there or the way back? On the way there. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I, do you know, has, have they fixed it yet with the hotel issue? No. So if your PlayStation portal has to connect to the internet, it won't connect to things that require you to, like, agree yeah. to terms and conditions. A network or... that has a prompt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that applies, that same principle applies to airplanes. Yeah. Obviously. So I had to set up a hotspot on my phone and play on my phone. And I, I played a good 30 minutes. And it worked? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, the picture quality is there. Okay. I noticed, little... I noticed more stuttering. Okay. But it was still minor enough to like not affect my experience. I mean, depending on what game you're playing. Right. It doesn't um, matter all that much. I... I like Final Fantasy XV for testing mm-hmm. that kind of thing because it's very, I mean... You that is something you do want yeah, re- right. responsiveness for. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, you want responsi- responsiveness for it. And there's so many effects going on mm-hmm. on screen in a game like that. that you know, Did the picture quality look worse on the airplane or did it still try to target that, like, 1080? Not a... Um, oh, I see what you mean. Like, did it downscale? Yeah. Uh, like no, it did, I didn't see any wow, downscale. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I did see, maybe this is just like placebo on my part, but I did notice like more stuttering. You know how like when you play, it wasn't this bad, but you know how when you play Scarlet and Violet, have you mm-hmm. ever been running and it just freezes? Yeah. And then for like 
almost half a second right. and then keep going. Yeah. I was some of that, not that bad, right. but some of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's and that's particularly bad. That and... could be my phone for all I know. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, considering you're on airplane Wi-Fi, yeah. you know, like how reliable can anyone truly right. expect the connection to be? You know, right. the fact that it worked at all and seemingly worked pretty good mm-hmm. is a small miracle in and of itself that's surprising to me yeah i thought it would just be a good experiment to pull it i wouldn't have purchased airplane wi-fi if you know if not for that but i did want to see how this works well we appreciate your sacrifice for science ten dollars out of my pocket that's not one for the whole flight yeah okay that's not bad how long was the flight uh oh boy my first flight was direct Oh. oh okay yeah my first flight was direct so it was like four hours maybe yeah almost five. Oh, really almost yeah. five wow that's crazy because it takes like five hours to get to the east coast why does it take five hours to get to ohio maybe i'm wrong <laughs> it could have been four you know but there are weird things like that though yeah. just with like the the way the planet is curved and stuff and also what the weather's like yeah and stuff yeah, if like they got to go around and yeah. there's a lot of traffic in one area for some reason or they have to go slower through a certain yeah storm all kinds of things <laughs> right so, yeah well, let's speed through it Right. Um, have you been out to anything else or well um, so uh, you know the composer of Seraphim and friend of the show who wrote our theme song yes uh, Matthew he I I can't talk about too much because he is actually like signing an NDA today as far as I understand but he is leveling up he's leveling he's up he's leveling up in like toward the game industry really like he's actually starting to do work for like a game company and like one like, that i would know yes oh yeah. really yeah oh yeah and um i'm really proud of him and i just wanted to say that like i, I can't talk about what wow. he's doing but he's uh he's he's got opportunities now well, congratulations, he's, Matthew. He's really making something. Well, we're lucky we got him for the podcast before yeah. he goes super. Before, yeah, on. before he's too good for us. <laughs> um, yeah, Matthew, you're doing great, man. Uh, keep it up. And uh, that's about all I'm doing. Oh, you know, we're gonna oh, have you know to, what? Hold we, on, no, real quick. We're going to have to add a new shout-out segment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be a good segment to have. Really? You think yeah, so? Yeah, I think so, I was yeah. trying to give you a hard time because you've been doing a lot of shout outs now let's do uh, well you have a podcast you might as well shout out sure you know what i want to give a shout out actually go for it there is someone who we've never named but every week his presence has been felt on this podcast because he provides the very chair that rick sits in Mm. week after week that is quite and, the contribution and ben i just gotta say you know it's it's so helpful to have your folding chair uh, and we really really appreciate it and uh keep it up You're keep it up ben. Work. Keep, keep up that hard work ben <laughs> you know you thank know. you um he he is a big fan though Oh yeah, he listens might every... be our biggest fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every time he listens to an episode, he he comes and yeah. talks to me about it, and he yeah. asks questions. Yeah, and... yeah, he has good questions. Good stuff. I mean, if you are listening and we start talking about something you don't know, and you have access to us, let me read Rick's phone number and you can text yeah. him. <laughs> but like you know, there's someone at work who listens that right. he's done that too. He yeah. didn't know about something or he doesn't understand what something is right and he comes and asks me and i i love yeah. talking about it so 
Um, yeah, but yeah, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben, for that chair. Um, so we were at Depeche Mode's concert last night. We were, independently. We didn't initially know that we were both going to this concert. Yeah, well, I knew you were going when I got my ticket, but... Oh, okay, you never said anything Not vice me. versa, yeah. Because <laughs> I had told you months ago that I was going to see Depeche Mode. Yeah. And you were like, oh no, I hope my girlfriend doesn't find out. Yeah, well, she did. <laughs> so, so we went, which was great. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I mean... Yeah, I know you were joking. Floor seats... You know, yeah, you got sprung. Yeah, we did. Yeah, but I mean, you know, who knows when Depeche Mode will be back in town? Yeah, oh yeah, um, good, good stuff. Yeah, I had a great time at the show. Played a lot of the, Play, the played songs. a lot of Nintendo Switch. No, no, no. They they played you know the songs you'd hope you'd hear, and then some deeper cuts, and uh, they put on a good show. And they are still very the two original members mm. are still very. Uh, spry spry yeah yeah like they are i mean particularly the lead singer he is spinning around on stage like a top dave warren i think no i don't know that we're getting that name right right. but i think it starts i think it's dave yeah we're okay now we're just embarrassing ourselves yeah we were born in 89 (laughs) we're Uh, not gen x uh but we grew up on their music because of our parents i would say or at least in my case that's 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 where I heard yeah. Mode from. My mom and my dad were both. Uh, not so much me, but the uh, bands that I did listen to ha- all had Depeche Mode covers. Gotcha. And that's how I found okay. out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they've been... They've never lost relevancy. No. Like... No, they're, they are like... And th- this might sound like an insult, but I don't mean it as an insult or negative, but... They are kind of the epitome of, like, normie music, in my opinion. Okay. Like, they're... They're what your average person would listen to, okay. in a lot of uh, to me. Okay, you know, huh, yeah. uh, but I'm feeling I'm, a little offended right now. I mean that as a uh, yeah. Well, they're not. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they they are they have a wide appeal, is what I'm trying to say. They do have wide appeal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're popular songs, but I mean, they also have songs. I mean, they about half of what they played, I would say, were not like their popular well super well-known pieces right there are two songs that are very popular people are people and um what somebody yeah they didn't even play all their hits yeah yeah um they didn't play those but they didn't play wrong they did play personal jesus and that was like the one i needed to hear yeah um and they closed with it yeah which was perfect yeah i had heard that they had been doing uh just can't get enough in their encore at all their shows Mm -hmm. but i wasn't sure if they were just gonna like end there or like do multiple songs beyond that and they did yeah they they got three or four additional songs after uh they came back out on stage there was no way they weren't gonna do an encore oh no No. i mean you know i went to a show one time and there was nothing i'm not (laughs) kidding you the band before they started playing at the beginning said we don't do encores. We find them disrespectful. Wow. And they said, do not. Ask for one? Yeah. <laughs> so, I commend their bravery. <laughs> I can understand. I think it's a ridiculous concept. I always look for one at the end of right. a show. But it is kind of, like, silly. I mean, yeah. It's always, like, is it's like... 
oh, is there a chance that if we don't clap and scream loud enough right. that they won't come back out? Right. You know? Yeah. Like, are they waiting for, you know, the right pitch of right. screaming <laughs> right. before, like, oh, encore activated. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's a way for them to take a quick five-minute breather yeah. and then, you know, just continue. Just call shout. it an intermission, then. Don't, yeah. What is this encore concept? But, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it goes back to... It goes back to something historical. Yeah. No doubt. Shakespeare yeah. or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Really good show. Yeah, really good show. concert. It was a good time. Now, I, I something happened to me. At the concert. And I know this is... We're very off the video game topic oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. But I'm just going to share this story real quick. Or as quick as I can. Um, there's a point where... For a while, people have been standing up. And then some people decided to sit back down. At least where, where I was. Mm-hmm. On the ground floor, you guys were probably standing the entire time. Pretty much. Because you don't really have a scaled kind of yeah. seating arrangement. You're all just on flat level. Well, we have... Yeah, we have chairs like this. Right, but what I mean is, like, the chairs aren't, like, stepped down. Oh, yeah, from one they're another. not stadium. Yeah, they're not stadium yeah. style. Um, but, you know, up, up anywhere else off the floor, it's stadium style seating. Right. So, anyways, my girlfriend and I, we decide that we're going to keep standing. You mm-hmm. know, some people are still standing, and we want to keep standing. We're enjoying, we want to move our bodies a little bit, right, you know? Yeah. Um, As you should. <laughs> like, this is Depeche Mode, guys. Right. Very danceable uh, music. Yeah. Um, and some lady, not quite behind me, but sort of at an angle where, because I was standing and she was sitting, she could no longer see. So she's got these like long fingernails on her and she starts digging it into my shoulder and tapping me. And she goes, can you sit down please? Yeah. And I'm, I turn back and I'm like, I'm sorry. This this isn't the movies. Yeah. Like look all around you. There's, there's people standing up. I'm going to stand up. Yeah. And so I turn back around. And then give it 10 seconds. She does it again, but she is really sticking that fingernail into me now. Nice. And and I turn around again and she's like, sit down. No one's standing. And I'm like, you're wrong. Look behind you. The row behind (laughs) you is standing. Only these 2,000 people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sitting down. Like, I'm enjoying the show. Right. And she does it one more time to me and like this time really hard and i'm like do not do that again i turn around and tell her but then she's with some guy who then proceeds to grab my neck and try to force me down into my seat wow so you got assaulted and i got assaulted yeah that's (laughs) um but what the craziest thing that happened was there was this group that was kind of more directly behind my girlfriend and i Mm -hmm. and they were a portly bunch okay um, and they were sitting, uh, at that point, but when they saw what was happening, they turned to the people they were sitting next to who we were supposedly block or that we were blocking their view because they were sitting, mm-hmm. uh, they turn around and they say, leave them alone. They're having a good time. Leave them yeah, alone. Some, some people came to your rescue. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so, and they have to sit next to those people. And then later on in the show, they're like, you guys get it. You're having fun. So you guys were basically, or you and I was assaulted. You were a damsel in distress in that situation. Uh, I mean, what else? Do I start a fight and get thrown out of Depeche Mode? No. Like, that's not what I want. I mean, no, of course not. All I did was, I mean, he didn't get me into my chair. Right. Um, I told him. and I mean, who does that? 
who probably who had a concert? people who've been drinking for like, the last two hours. I mean, did she seem drunk? Because like, yeah. That, I mean, and then when her probably... boyfriend or whatever or whoever it was, her brother, I don't know what, got involved. That's when I was. I said, I spoke some French to him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just. At a con- you're at a concert. I yeah. get people standing up in front of me who are like eight feet tall all yeah, the time. And you know what you do? You stand yeah, up. Yeah, you stand up. Yeah, and you, you just and suck you, it up. You, you might lean a little bit. Yeah, to... and maybe your view isn't perfect anymore. But, but it's it, a concert. Yeah, that's just, that happens. Yeah. Especially when you're on the ground level, general admission, ground level oh, floor. Oh, yeah. Like, you're always, you know, going to be struggling to get a, a perfect view. I've been to shows and stuff that don't have stadium seating. Yeah. And... That's how it is. Yeah, if they had stood up, they would have perfect visibility. Right. But because they wanted to sit down. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I want to turn around perfect. and be like, get off your ass. Yeah. And enjoy the show. Right. Like, come on. Or just tell her to go stand in the aisle. Oh, no, they had someone there, like, anytime someone tried to stand in the aisle or, like, at the edge. Oh, really? The, they, like, they flick they, their they, flashlight. Because yeah, people are usually trying to get, like, a good shot yeah. or something, and so they try to ruin their... Their camera image or whatever by flashing the light in it. <laughs> uh, which I appreciated because, like, I don't want those people standing in front yeah. of me. Like, go back to your seat up in the nosebleeds, bro. Right. Um, but uh, aside from that, adding a little bit of drama to my night. Mm-hmm. Still love the show. Had a great time. Good. But, yeah, that was like, I yeah. couldn't believe what that was you happening. you just got assaulted. <laughs> It's like, come on, man. This is the fash mode. It's like a good time show. It's not a. Angry... I mean, I guess that's what I. I mean, that leans into what I was saying about yeah. it being normie music. Because yeah. if that was not normie music, if that was power metal, that wouldn't happen. Like well, that just I wouldn't. Mean, ha- there probably I... would have been seats on the floor. She wouldn't have been there. Probably not. You no. know, that's yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Did you see the opening band? No, not at all. I didn't. Okay, I would have been very curious to get your opinion on them. Oh, they were they were interesting. I. I was there for Depeche Mode, okay. so I spent my time, we spent our time, my party and I, getting food, getting drinks, getting merch, taking pictures, Yeah, you know, socializing. before. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that's how concerts go. You, yeah. You go, the real people show up late. See, I like to see the opening act because I've discovered, like, new music through opening acts. Right. Uh, Yeah, no, there's definitely value there. I try to. Yeah. I mean, I understand why you didn't make it last night. (laughs) If it's just me on my own. You had a big group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm alone, I I usually get there right on time. Um, But we're now going to shift to our main topic. Yeah, back to, like, the theme of the podcast. Which is the Game Awards. Right. And we both attended in person in Los Angeles. We were there. We had a night. We did have a night. Yeah. A very interesting night filled with ups and downs. Uh (laughs) Positives and negatives. Yeah. And uh, we're just going to talk. So we attended via um, a casting agency who... Uh, gives out free tickets to attend the show. Mm-hmm. Gotham as, Casting. Gotham right. Casting as a as seat fillers. Right. Um, you may have heard of these. They've, they've been kind of like trending lately. Because people are like going people, to the Oscars. People figured them out. Yeah. And uh, I think, I believe it was the second Game Awards that was my first time being a seat filler. But at that time, like... There were very little. Yeah. Like, very little. They only... This year, they they used the seat fillers to really fill out 
the entire like sides and like back area of the theater whereas like the industry people were only in the center Mm -hmm. previously the seat fillers would also be mixed in the middle Mm -hmm. of the show but this year they just kind of had us on the perimeter i think the thinking is that ticket holders are going to sit in the middle or in the back yeah so i think that was so they wanted they didn't want like the cameras to see that so they fill in the sides and yeah it makes sense yeah because i mean like as a seat filler if you're in the middle at some point you're gonna have to get up and move around and right it's kind of like awkward and then the person who is taking your seat or the seat that you've been holding mm-hmm. is kind of like who are you why are you in my seat and there's this kind of awkward exchange right um so this year they had us on the perimeters our our sight line was obstructed. Uh, yes, by that giant <laughs> like crane. camera crane. <laughs> uh, we're sitting right behind it. Yeah. So anytime there's like a trailer on screen, we have a middle-aged man like right in the middle. Yeah, of so the trailer. We're only seeing approximately fifty percent of the image, and it's like the outskirts of the image. Yeah. We're not even seeing like the focus of the yeah the video. Um, so that was. Not ideal. That was not ideal. Nor was it my previous experience being a seat filler no. either. Like, like that's never happened. Last year, as a seat filler, I was front row, dead center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, like, yep. like I had the best seat in the house as a seat filler. That happened to me too. I was. I will say, if this is how they're going to do seat fillers going, like next year, I'll try it again. And if it's the same thing, or I'm sitting next to the crane, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna do a seat filler. Uh, thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I want to do that anymore i just just, actually break down and buy a ticket i think as a seat filler you either get lucky or you don't yeah and this year was not a lucky year not a lucky pull (laughs) not a good pull yeah no we opened that booster pack and (laughs) we just got a rare we got yeah some non so before we got into the theater yeah we were waiting in a big line outside the theater um where we were checking in with the seat filler group and then they put us into another line uh, inside the building, but not yet in the theater. Yes. And while we were in this line... It was in a hallway. It was in a hallway, yes, where there's all these pictures of all the people who've performed at mm-hmm. uh, what's now the Peacock Theater. Right. Um, I think this is where they do the Grammys every year. Um, that so, sounds yeah. like believable. Um and we got in line next to because we had to go through security to get in here so the people we were next to in line were no longer the people we were next to now what is the building called again i know it's, it's the peacock theater it's the peacock now. theater right yeah now. Okay. it used to be the microsoft theater and then the nokia theater and before, before that, that it was yeah the nokia i can't theater. keep up anymore yeah um and we are waiting in this hallway and we are getting maybe the worst smell like, yeah. that we have ever experienced just in like, our lives like clouds projectile clouds of body odor just wafting down the hallway like up and like every time someone walks by it's like the cloud is like like moving back and forth well i th- i see it visually as like an enemy projectile that's just coming <laughs> in a straight yeah. line you know so periodically we, we and we are like audibly like Oh my God! It, yeah, it what was. What is going on? We are like repulsed, the, and we're trying. I mean, I'm personally, I'm trying to like gauge other people around us if they're like. Initially, I'm trying to be like, Oh my God! Like, 
I'm trying to say it loud enough that other people are going to be like, oh yeah, man, what the heck is going on? Yeah, try to start a, but I'm no- start a riot. <laughs> yeah, but I'm noticing that's not happening. Yeah. And I think before long, we deduce that the person in front of us in line... Is the source. Is the source of this smell. Right. And so, to protect their to, anonymity... To, to uh, real quick... Okay. Um, I want to describe the odor mm. itself... Okay, so this, I was just bewildered that this odor was coming from, like, a, a, that a human could produce this odor. Someone whose appearance you wouldn't think would, like... Maybe mm. certain clues about their appearance kind of make sense, but... Right, but at a uh, glance... A, yeah, at a glance, no. You would not think this would be the smelliest person on Earth. This body odor smelt like that you'd expect of, like, a rhinoceros... <laughs> or like a hippopotamus. I could not possibly imagine this coming off a human. I could not possibly imagine myself smelling I mean, that I way. could see a human who is living in very poor conditions. Like like a, a, an unhoused individual. I mean... Uh, who maybe hasn't been able to change their clothes in a long time. Yeah, but you get more of a dust mite type of odor off of those people. It's not so much like... You know, athletic bo. This is yeah. Like, you this, know. It was. I like to describe that kind of bo as it's got like a spiciness to it. Yeah, yeah, like a like a pepper. Like yeah, a, like, a like a jalapeno. A, yeah, there's like a peppery <laughs> a habanero. Yeah, and usually to get that smell from someone, you have to like be in their pits. You you have to like or or uh, and this is my theory, okay? okay? On on that particular aspect. This person must have had like a diet of like garlic and things like that that secrete through, mm, you know, yes. through those areas. Uh that could be the case. Um yeah, strange diet, I'm guessing not big on showering too mm. often. Mm-hmm. And or maybe their clothes were like down in a gutter right. or like some heap somewhere given this person and their appearance and stuff they could have also been on some kind of shower strike in in my opinion all right i don't i'm not too familiar with shower strikes yeah but... just uh, you know you don't bathe for 360 days because you know this cause or something mm. etc all right. Well, I can see that also next time being the case. A video game company does something I don't like. I'm gonna go on a shower. Yeah, break. there you go. That's how so, you get attention. So we're next to this person in line, and it comes to the real it comes to our realization that we're gonna be stuck sitting in a theater with this person mm-hmm. for four hours straight. Like, this is this is why I keep Taylor around, yeah. guys. And we are running out of time to figure out a way to dodge this bullet. I mean, we've already been in the cloud for like an hour. Right. And it's the most miserable cloud I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. It was bad. There, there was no way that we were going to sit through that whole show right. next to this person. It was not going to happen. So the line starts moving, and they're pulling chunks of people into the theater at a time. Mm-hmm. And... It's getting to a point where we're getting pretty close to going to the theater. So I turn to Rick and I'm going to say, the next time the line starts moving, I'm going to pretend I have to tie my shoe. And 
you wave the people behind us forward like oh go ahead you know yeah and so we let like four or five people it was it ahead was, of us it was like 10 or you think it was 10 yeah oh, okay i, I don't think it was quite there. that much i know there was like a, a like a group of four and then maybe two or three other, well it doesn't really matter yeah it doesn't we bought we dodged it yeah thanks to <laughs> taylor's brilliant on the spot in the like yeah, the final hour like we had to do it now or yeah. it was now or never because so, what happened as soon as we cross over this door they hand us a ticket that has our seat and row on it and then you're that's where you're sitting yeah. the whole night unless you get moved as yeah, a seat which, filler. but as because of the way they did seat fillers this year i'm not I don't think a single seat filler got moved. Yeah, it seemed like we were there literally to fill seats. Yeah, like, like empty seats. Yeah, like seats that he didn't sell, but he wants the theater to look look big, full yeah. and big. Um, good one, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Keeley. I mean, keep doing it because that's uh, yeah. how I get in for free. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not saying don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, more seat fillers than we've ever had before. It was a lot. That speaks to uh, maybe the lower quality of seat filler i want to say attendees. this um on the heels of the story that we just shared um i've noticed having so i have probably done seat fillers a few more times than you at least one more time than mm. you um I th- we might be even at this point because oh, yeah I've yeah done it the last couple of years without you i missed one year Two. so yeah that's possible one was online i don't count that no 2021 was in person and 2022 was in person you missed both of those. 2020. Uh, oh, you're right. The online okay. one. All right. Yeah. So you're right. We're about even now. Regardless, <laughs> in the early days of seat fillers at the Game Awards, the people who came were, um, you know, sharply dressed. Mm-hmm. You were there holding basically an industry celebrity seat. I mean, the instructions say and have always said. You got to dress nice. Right. There is a dress code. There Men is... <laughs> dress like this. Women dress like this. Yes. No bags. No this. No that. Yeah. There have has always been a dress code, and up, I mean, supposedly it's been upheld. Is, yeah, I mean, but not so much this year, or I, even last year, I'd say. I think it was regarded in the in the beginning, and now it's just. Well, I'm shocked given how many people that they had in line. We're talking. Over a thousand people were in line for seat fillers, at least, right. if not two thousand people. They gave out a lot of seat filler tickets. Yeah, this year. it was a lot. Um, and, and I mean, nobody. I mean, I don't want to say nobody, but a lot of people look like they made zero attempt. Yeah. To look like they like just, they were going to anything yeah, affluent like whatsoever. They're going to a, a convention, right? Like they just had their their t shirt and yeah jorts and yeah. And some old hoodie with yeah, a plushie. A backpack that they're not supposed to bring. Right. And I don't know why Gotham Casting doesn't say, sorry, no, you can't come in. I mean, they have plenty of people. They can turn people away who yeah. don't listen to the rules. Right. And show up doing whatever they want. Oh, they, and also the Game Awards could do that, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much time they have to yeah, release prob- at that point. Probably not. But they got other things going on. Well, they have their own security team, right? That's, that's not Gotham Casting. No, but I don't know that security's job well, to sniff out people's outfits. Every single person is walking past a security yeah. at the point of the entrance, right. so they could easily just eject you, you out. Yeah, just yeah. But, Speaking of which, I almost got ejected from the Game Awards this year. 
Did I tell you about this? No. Oh, okay. I'll have to tell you about it. when This year or last year? No, this year. Okay. After the show was over. Oh, yeah, you did yeah, tell yeah. me. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get we'll, there. We'll get there, but... Um, because that was a, that was at the end of the show, right? Yeah, but we'll we'll get there before we start talking about the announcements. My point is that you know this person that we almost sat next to, who was intolerable. The story's not over with them too. We oh. we got a little update later in the show about them. Not during the game awards, we saw where they were sitting, oh, yeah. which was in a different row than us. Right. And the two people... We saw the behaviors of the two people... Sitting next to this individual. The unlucky people that we kind of screwed over with our little move. Um, But, um, I mean, that person is a symptom of lax rules and an unenforced dress code. Yeah. And, you know, the Game Awards, in the past, has in the beginning at least, was an affluent event. It was people who were... It was actually really affordable to go to the Game Awards originally. Yeah, it was. It was like 20 bucks. And um, it's just gone downhill because basically half the audience seems to be seeing Maybe fillers. because it's now so unaffordable. It's uh-huh. like more than $100 to go to the Game Awards right. now. You're going to pay $100 to get commercials thrown at yeah, you for four hours straight. Yeah. I can't pay for that. No. I can't it's, pay for the that. whole show is world premieres and other commercials and guest appearances and yeah. just, you know, not awards. I mean, there there's awards, but we have a whole section to talk about awards. But let's uh let's keep the train going. Uh, anyways, here. yeah, the riffraff is, is off the chain. Yeah, so, I don't know, Jeff... Do something. Dude, Maybe make Jeff. seats. <laughs> you got to make seats more affordable next year. Jeff, I know you're listening. You know what? The, the overall reception of the awards this year, there were a lot of articles written from major outlets giving the award show a hard time. So I know well, that's Jeff good. has May- seen... Maybe he will be... Probably pressured. not complaining about the things we've been complaining about so far. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Real quick, like what? Like, can you criticizing how the awards were presented, how there were so few awards presented formally, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Just How they were rapid-fire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. for some things, I get the rapid-fire awards. Yeah. Like, when it comes to the esports section. Yeah, esports and streamers and all yeah. that. You can rapid-fire that. Yeah. Yeah. Fire them into the trash can and don't have them again yeah. next yeah, year. Yeah, there's that. I mean, okay, I'm not, I'm not on board with that, but I will say that, like... The art director award should not be rapid fire. Yeah, what okay. was that? We let's we have a whole section to talk about okay. this. So right. Let's save it for there. Let's, um, let's get to it. So, <laughs> the, there were a couple of musical performances though. Yeah, one that caught you completely yeah. by surprise. Oh yeah. Uh, so there is a German, like proto-Germanic folk band, neo folk. I guess is what the genre is actually called. Called Heilung. And you, if you've seen them, you will recognize them. They wear the antler, you know, deer antlers and stuff. Like, they go all out with their appearance and stuff. Um, I know them well. I own their CDs and stuff because I listen to Neo Folk. But uh, they were the musical guest. And it was so, like, I mean, it's a good thing. I'm glad they were there. Mm-hmm. Like, good for them. But, like, that is not what the mainstream... Well, I actually think they were... I mean, they're not what the mainstream wanted. Or maybe not. But I think they're a good fit for the Game Awards because they're doing... Yeah, they are working on a game soundtrack. Which, 
heck yeah. yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. Like, I, I will play that game just because Highland, because working on the music. Yeah, you'll need an Xbox, though. That's I, for Xbox I, yeah. I, you know, it's crazy. Xbox Series X has been discounted by $150 mm-hmm. the last couple weeks. 349 for a Series X. Yeah, I'm getting closer. That's like with one. a disk drive, too, you know, yeah. before that stuff gets discontinued yeah it's it's getting i almost want to get an extra one (laughs) i'm probably gonna get one very very shortly like in the next few months um regardless like to see them was just such a surprise yeah because you probably got to go to europe yeah oh yeah oh for sure oh they're doing the music for the new hellblade game yeah Um, which that's not even I don't know. The first Hellblade game is uh, Senwa's Sacrifice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making a sequel to that. and It's by Ninja Theory. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Um, I'm trying to remember what the game looks like. Uh, it's, it's got this like tribal okay, it look. Is. It's okay. strange. So it is right up there. Yeah. It, okay. it's. I think it's a good fit yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, I, anyways, yeah, just just to see them was crazy. It makes sense their association with the game, but I don't see your average downtown LA person, person like knowing or no understanding that. But I think that's a good thing for yeah. the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, because usually they shove in like, Green a hip hop artist or Green Day or yeah. yeah something something along those lines that just has nothing to do. I mean, usually it's slightly related to some like oh there's dlc for rock band and green day's got a pack yeah so that's why green day's here something like that yeah they got some skins in fortnite or something (laughs) exactly so it's like oh it's video game related (laughs) guys right but i like that this year they actually kept all the musical performances actually video game and this the other main musical performance aside from the orchestra uh, game of the year medley at the end of the show was truly a performance a musical performance mm-hmm. it was a reenactment of some crazy scene from alan wake 2 yeah but it had this it had an orchestra with the game's producer the, the director of director. the game was up there dancing dancing and, and singing, singing crazy that with, yes i love it that's I'm, sam lake of remedy entertainment the creator of max Payne, the creator of control the creator of he, alan wake he looks like he would be a cool guy you got yeah. to talk to him i've actually met him twice now uh in 2021 i was staking out the the jw marriott before the show yep. and he was there and i i happened to bring the the first alan wake for xbox 360 because there was a rumor that alan wake 2 was going to be announced that night at the game awards and sure enough it was and so he was definitely cut off as i'm sure he was like well what the heck why do you have that why like why would you be carrying around alan wake one right. with you because you know it was just a rumor and it had just broken earlier that morning um so yeah i acted quick on that one Last night, um, I sorry not to no, derail. Go ahead. Uh, I found my. I was looking for Dirge of Cerberus. I was looking for my copy on. Yeah. It. So I was going for through all my PS2 games, and I found Max Payne one on PS2, nice. and I'm like, damn. I if know, I had it was this, right there, yeah. Because, and then at, this year after the show, 
I didn't get, I wasn't able to get anybody's signature inside the theater. Mm-hmm. And I was basically on my way to find you who had dipped out of the theater a little before me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just happened to be walking towards the, uh, the car where we parked and I was looking down at the ground as I was walking and I heard someone say, congratulations. And then someone say, thank you. And I looked up and there it was. Sam Lake was walking right by me and someone had just, you know, congratulated him on winning. And so I like quickly pulled out my cover, ran up to him and I had Alan Wake remastered that they released uh, last year. Did you have any kind of conversation with him? Uh, it was very brief. It was like, Hey, could you, would you please sign this? And he was like, Oh, definitely, man. And then I was like, congratulations on all your wins tonight. And I was like, thank you. But they were off to go celebrate. I hear the JW Marriott gets wild after the game awards. Oh, I bet. Yeah. We should. But unfortunately I had to take you to work. Otherwise I would have hung out longer. We should consider booking a room in the future. Oh my God. Um, that's that's picking it up on the mic, dude. Oh, oh shoot, I got you. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, that means stop scratching your chest. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, imagine if we had a room and just walking around. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the dream. The JW Marriott is expensive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're We'd have to like, like save up seven hundred dollars a night. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that place gets wild. That would be a good place to do some celebrating i've had experiences in there too yeah at the time of e3 (laughs) um but let's let's keep this train moving mm -hmm. um so the musical performances were cool they were all video game related that is like uh that gets a gold star from me yes um and so good job there yeah they uh so i'm credit where credit's due the musical guests and stuff have been a complaint of ours in the past yeah some of the i mean there were yeah, I mean, did I mind having front row seats to see Green Day? No, no. but like, what are the what are the, why are they yeah, there? Yeah, I you know get Koji Kondo to play yeah. something instead of that. I agree. Yeah, it's just not as appropriate as what we got this year. So that was a nice improvement. Um, the other big thing about the award show, <laughs> the, I'd say the biggest thing about this award show are the game announcements. Yeah. And oh that, yeah, yeah. The awards are secondary. <laughs> The world premieres are... Yes, the first focus. and foremost. Yes. And I will say, this has probably been maybe the best... One of the best years for announcements at the Game Awards. There's a lot of stuff here, personally, that I was excited to see. And I just kind of wanted us to run through what some of these were. Mm-hmm. Okay? Go so, uh, one of the coolest things, I think, was that Sega, in a single trailer, announced five new games in like legacy series yeah so one of them was golden axe yeah which is a classic genesis title immediately golden axe is my focus of those five yeah crazy taxi yeah a new crazy taxi crazy taxi was huge i was thinking about that recently and there there it is the arcade games yeah um, and then we have Jet Set Radio, which we haven't seen a new entry for so since... that would probably be, like, the biggest, um, like, oh my god moment Yeah, for like, they're bringing back Jet Set yeah. Radio. Not since Jet Set Radio Future on the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. So we're going back 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Um, a new Shinobi game. That one was kind of a little more of... A little more unexpected. There was a Shinobi game on mm-hmm. 3DS. Yeah. Uh, I think we played the demo of that one yeah. at E3. I think I bought it. 
then there was a they did a special thing at comic-con one year they had an off-site and like shinobi was one of the featured games it was around the time sonic generations came out i remember and streets of rage a new streets of which we just had a new streets of rage not long ago streets of rage streets of rage 4 right uh but i wonder if this will be streets of rage 5 or if they're going but this one looked like it was not like 2d it looked like it was 3d models Mm -hmm. but still on that sort of 2.5d i could go off on the history of streets of rage and the many efforts to bring like another installment Mm -hmm. throughout like sega's history yeah um so it's I mean, this Sega is. We talked about this in a previous episode. They're trying to lean in, yeah, you know, hard. Sega's um, trying to make a big comeback. Yeah, they're and, trying to bring that. They're and this is the beginning. This of is it. yeah, and this is great. And now I don't know how much these titles appeal to young gamers. Yeah, that's fine. I feel like the, they're making these for people our age and older. Uh, well, we don't know that because we haven't seen the games. We're only looking well, at no. They showed gameplay for all five of these. Well, the was it great? Was it gameplay though? I mean, I'm sure it was early alpha footage for most of these. Regardless, I I mean, you could make a you could make a game in any one of these franchises for little kids if you wanted to. Right. You know, that's my point. But yeah. um, Golden Axe, yeah, is the one that I'm like crazy yeah. about. That one, if you remember the footage, it wasn't like side scrolling. It mm-hmm. was like. A... Like a th- like an yeah. open three D yeah, environment. Was, yeah. So I have they made a Golden Axe game like that before? Like I don't think so. Uh, PS One or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was so on Saturn there was a fighting game with Golden Golden. Because I know like Google. Contra has had like really bad like three D yeah. style mm-hmm. games that aren't side scrolling. Um, one installment in the Golden Axe franchise was only on. The 32... Sega's 32-bit arcade, like, board. Okay. Uh, there was a particular board that only had, like, four titles on it. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time it's been released. Okay. As far as I know. It, huh. it, you'd have to, like, play it on an emulator. Right. Uh, and I don't know if that one was, like, third person or, okay. or what's going on with that. But, um, so, Sega said these titles will be released over the next several years. Mm-hmm. So, I do want... I doubt we'll probably won't see any of them released next year what i expect to see is sega actually making real games that will compete with like yeah what we're seeing because in recent years it's really only been yakuza and sonic games yeah yeah oh yeah like we get some super monkey ball remasters things like that yeah it's been uh, a lot of that but like if Sega is wanting to do what they say oh, they want to do... Oh, and I should mention, they do publish all of Atlas's games and Vanillaware's games now, too. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's not doing anything for their identity as, as like, Sega. a Nintendo yeah. competitor, right. you know, or equal, or whatever they're trying to be. Yeah. Um, so, but this, like, if they did... Bring Golden Axe, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Jet Set Radio, Crazy Taxi to the modern era right. with like open world Golden Axe. Yeah, it, like that I'm could feeling, work. Yeah, like I feel like Crazy Taxi could be really wild. Oh, with like what, imagine like Grand Theft Auto, yeah, 5. Crazy Taxi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with all the Sega quirkiness yeah. that it has. Yeah, there's. There's a lot of opportunity to do a lot of amazing stuff here. 
But I also feel like by really leaning into these sort of nostalgia titles, mm-hmm. they're also likely to ru- upset people if, yeah. they don't, if they get this wrong. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a couple th- threats that they, you know, could pitfalls that they could fall in. One is messing this up. Yeah. For like the nostalgic audience that they seem to be targeting. The other is cutting themselves off at the generational knees with just targeting our generation right. and doing nothing to appeal to I mean, to I guess like, they have Sonic. Sonic is, for whatever reason, never not popular. That's with because there's always been a Sonic title coming yeah. out. There's never not been a Sonic title yeah. coming out. Um, but there has been decades of no Golden Axe, decades of no Streets of Rage. Well, no, we just had a Streets of Rage two years we ago. We just had one, but there were yeah. decades. It had been a didn't. while, been a long time. Um, and so, you know. This is this is actually resurrecting stuff. Yeah. Um, with Sonic, yeah, that can appeal to younger, you know, people yeah. younger than us. You don't have to have grown up with Sonic right. to like Sonic. Exactly. Um, and Sega has other properties that they could leverage that way. Yeah. Um, and, they, they, and they're starting to, clearly. They could leverage these titles that way. There's no reason that an, a Golden Axe open world RPG couldn't appeal to... Some young kid. By the way, we're not saying that the new Golden Axe. No, is we're an not. It's not. RPG. I'm, yeah, we're, we're just. <laughs> we're just. We have no idea. Spitballing, but um, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. They just need to make sure that they don't. That's where marketing does its job. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but also with game design, you know, they can't True. lean too hard into arcade side scroll. You know, like because right. that appeals to us, yeah. but that's not going to carry them. Right. I mean, some of these titles, I think, will have a more traditional expected route that they go. And then I think some of them will be a little... I mean, Streets of Rage, from what we saw, it did look like it was side-scrolling. If they want to, like, be smart, they should look at what Nintendo's doing with Mario. Yeah. Be like, okay, so we have our big Mario Galaxy. Let's have our big Golden Axe open world. And then let's also have another Golden Axe title at... At the same time, why right. not? Yeah. That is a side-scroll... Like traditional Mario. Yeah, and have them yeah. tie together. Have the yeah. lore all can- canonical with each other. Yeah. And, you know, that's how they should do it. Because then they're giving everybody what they need, you know. But Alright, next announcement. Sorry. No, you're, no, we're good. We're good. Um, Hello Games... The creators of No Man's Sky, at one, which was one point one of the most controversial games uh, to ever be yeah, released. Upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have announced their next big game called Light No Fire. So this is their first game announcement in a decade, effectively. Mm-hmm. They've been supporting No Man's Sky with multiple updates every year uh, since 20. I can't remember, it came out 2016 or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of No Man's Sky, which is a game where they've sort of created this procedural universe that is the same procedural universe for every player, uh-huh. um, instead of making a whole universe filled with planets and uh, you know biomes and all kinds of things to explore, they're focusing in on just making one single Earth-sized planet. Right. So they're making a new fantasy Earth the size of, like, what Earth actually is. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, it was, yeah, it's a crazy concept. I, okay, so I, the thought that I had when watching the uh-huh. trailer and listening to Sean Murphy talk, who's Murray, become... Murray. Murray, sorry. Um, who's become 
kind of a darling yeah since the controversy back in the day with no man's sky there's been a lot of like youtube videos about his kind of journey he could have ran with the money and never looked back yeah oh yeah but he didn't he's been putting out free update after free update after free update for no man's Sky. while being while having just crap slung at him from twitter and And he just persevered yeah and didn't look at it no i mean sure he looked at Uh, it yeah but you know what i mean like (laughs) he didn't eat it yeah he didn't eat it (laughs) that's a good way to put it um but yeah so looking at this i'm my immediate thing is like they are retooling they're retooling that's that's what i feel from okay they're taking a lot of what they developed with No Man's Sky and yeah. the procedural, especially probably server side yeah. procedural code, and retooling it to make this new experience yeah. that I'm sure is going to be a brand new experience. Yeah. Uh, to you know, it's ambitious. It is. Oh, it's yeah. as ambitious. It doesn't sound on paper. It doesn't seem as ambitious as No Man's Sky because No Man's Sky has millions of planets in it. Right. But after you spend about five minutes on each planet you've basically seen, seen the, the whole, whole planet, planet yeah. you know, because they're all one singular experience right. for the most part. Imagine if this idea came together with the No Man's Sky idea somehow. And I'm sure maybe that that's might be the like direction long term goal yeah. to try to do something yeah. like, OK, now we have a whole solar system. Yeah. You know? Like with full size planets. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. Nuts. I mean, but just a whole planet on its own mm-hmm. like like as a real person not a video game character or like a video game avatar like you could spend your whole life trying to explore this whole planet yeah and you won't and you won't <laughs> you'll die you'll die yeah so the fact that they're making an earth-sized planet for and this is going to be i don't know if it's mandatory multiplayer but there is some sort of like it's a shared Earth. Yeah, okay. It's a shared Earth. Yeah, well, I mean, No Man's Sky is a shared universe. Yeah, you can play offline in No Man's oh, Sky. You can. But, I mean, I think... But you, the, you are accessing the same, like... Yeah, there is, like, a sort of a server... And, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, this, if a, two players go to that same place, the algorithm has already determined what that looks like for everyone who will ever play. Right. Um, and, you know, there there's a slim chance when you're playing No Man's Sky that... You'll bump into another player. The odds are really low, but as you kind of not get... in the beginning, but they are now. Um, no, now there's actually a lot of people still playing. The thing is with No Man's Sky, everyone starts out on the outskirts of this, you know, universe. Mm-hmm. But the the goal, the the story is leading you towards the center, mm-hmm. and so as you get closer to the center, that's when you start encountering people. people. Oh, okay. And what's cool about No Man's Sky is that as you encounter a new planet that's no one ever seen before. You can name them, and then if you land on the planet, any of the creatures you find, you can name all the creatures, and that like becomes the permanent name yeah. for that creature. Yeah, for, like so any person who lands on that planet in the future would see that. Oh, you're literally being an explorer. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, still crazy. it's mind-boggling yeah. of a concept. But this is gonna take it to like where you're like Magellan. Yeah. Like, where you're going to be, like, like people, I'm just imagining, like, people coming together, making, like, atlases of, like, the planet together, mm-hmm. like. How, how, do we know, like, is it going to be inhabited or uninhabited or 
like was... no there's gonna be creatures okay. i mean the trailer indicates that there's like multiple like races that you can kind of be to like there's like rabbit people and oh, okay. um it's got a fantasy vibe to oh, it. oh right yeah i okay i remember it doesn't have a sci-fi vibe it's got a fantasy vibe i remember seeing that yeah um and so that's kind of cool like you're like a show like you could mount like dragon looking creatures and fly around mm-hmm. one thing one thing he said specifically was that they this game will this this planet will have real mountains mm-hmm. not video game mountains. yeah right you ever know, a video game mountain is like a little hill right you climb over. even even in like breath of the wild yeah and stuff, it's, it's still not, not a mountain yeah you know you can climb that in five six minutes exactly so like they're talking about miles high like that take like Everest. a day like, if you wanted to climb to the top, you would literally have to spend, <laughs> like, 24 hours. Yeah. And I know some people that are probably hearing me say this, and they're like, why would you want to do that? Yeah. And to me, I'm like, why wouldn't you want to do well, that? Well, okay. Okay. Counter-argument. Okay. So, go climb a real mountain, then, if that's what you want. I mean, sure, but there's, like, okay... The amount of, like, preparation... I don't want to have to work. (laughs) No, that's not what it is. Uh, It's a goal of mine to climb down the Grand Canyon and back up the Grand Canyon. And if you've ever looked into that, that's actually, like, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. That's not something you can just go do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one day I hope to do that. Uh, But, I mean, like, if I want to go climb Mount Everest, I have to put my hands in the life of some Sherpa dude. I've mm-hmm. never met before, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, so it's like, I think I'd just rather climb. Okay, so the risk of dying is what would deter you yeah, from... Yeah, because if I die in the video from game... From doing it from real life. I understand. That's a good point. Yeah, and then you have to spend thousands of dollars getting out there. Yeah. Or I could just buy, you know, a $70 game. And I guess the, the principle of, you know, just... As games become more realistic like right. that, you know... Because then imagine, you know, No Man's Sky is a VR mode. So yeah. this thing is going to be going to have a VR. Mode. Oh yeah, and that might actually make me jump on PlayStation VR too. Right. Um, if if this game ends up supporting that. Quick question about games and VR modes. Uh-huh. I know there are games that are exclusively VR, uh-huh. right? But games that release VR modes, mm-hmm. and these do tend to come out like after the title. Launch, Sometimes, right? yeah. Is it a different? I mean, I know it's a VR experience, but are, like, the cinematics different? Like, I think they have No to, camera cuts? And that I think, for example, the Resident Evil VR versions, mm-hmm. yeah, the cinematics are incorporated in a VR sort of perspective. So you're standing in front of the thing happening. You're not seeing camera cuts and Right, angles. or if, like, you're playing as Leon, mm-hmm. and Leon is, you know, something's happening to Leon. You're not... You're not watching it happen to Leon. Right. You are you, you Leon. Are Leon. Right. You know, whatever's happening, happening to Leon to is happening to you. Right. Um, yeah, so, okay, so it is a different game experience. Yeah, now, whereas with No Man's Sky, though, the game is first person or third person. So, when you're in VR mode, you're basically playing just the first person mode in VR. I mean, obviously, the controls work differently. You're able to, like, see your hands and do things with your hands. Um but, like, you're not in, like, a separate mode. You're mm-hmm. still playing in the same sandbox that everyone's playing in. Right. Okay. Um, so I would imagine for this, if this, if Light No Fire supports VR uh, out of the box or eventually, mm-hmm. you'll just be able to be VR. Right. Uh, you know, along with everyone else that's playing. 
Did we mention the title yet? It's I think I said it at the beginning. Light No Fire, yeah. So um, I thought maybe it would be No Man's Earth or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Yes, Woman's Land. Um, because it has uh, it has some similar design motifs, like the logo is very similar to the logo yeah, for No Man's I Sky. That. I'm sure they're probably I, some yeah. mixed lore stuff going I'm on. I'm sure they're connected. Yeah. Um, anyways, I just think it's cool. I think the idea of, like, imagine, like, you're out in the wild, you're trying to survive. Who knows what kind of survival mechanics will be in it. Yeah. And then you encounter another player, and then you two build a house together. Yeah. And then, like, you find another player, and or, you help Or they become, like, a spouse or something to you. You know, basically, yeah, in a way. I mean, <laughs> like, think about it. Yeah, I mean... You're surviving together. Yeah. Like, that could... Like, that is kind of the dynamic. And then eventually you've got, like, a whole village that you've formed. And, like, people, then you guys harvest, and you, like, dude, that sounds... You're starting, like, a second life. Yeah. Like, that's what that sounds like. Like, I mean, that sounds crazy. Yeah. But, like, that's the kind of thing, like, where I could see this kind of going. Yeah, pretty hard, yeah. Like, in a cool way, and also kind of a freaky way. Yeah. Um, I mean... If in your real life you're you amount to not much, but in here you're Christopher Columbus, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna spend most of your time doing this, you know, you like know, you're, killing people with smallpox blankets. Yeah, well, I don't know that could that could be uh, mythological actually, but oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you could be like, exploring, you know, what he's explore. actually known for doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just giving you a hard time. Yeah. So I knew you were going to bring up the Christopher Columbus. Well. That's why I said Magellan. I don't know if Magellan's got as many skeletons in the closet. You don't know anything. Those people lived 300 years ago. Or more. I think more. (laughs) You don't know anything. Maybe they lived 20 years ago. You don't know anything. Like, you weren't there, dude. Okay, well, all we have is historical accounts, which, you know, are subject to all kinds of... Yeah, that's yeah. nothing. That's, that's people's word of mouth. For all we know, Christopher Columbus didn't even exist. We don't know... You don't know that. You don't. <laughs> all right, so then we don't know anything. We don't. All right. Good point. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, but what we do know... Is that light no fire is coming? <laughs> Great segue. <laughs> In the future. And uh, anyways, I am incredibly... My mind races when I think about this game. It's a crazy big Like, concept. as a kid, if this concept is presented to me... Yeah. That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Day and night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would consume you. Yeah. Um, okay, another really big announcement from the show... And the, the, the announcement that ended the show, but not the last announcement we'll talk about. Um, Capcom announced uh, Monster Hunter Wilds, which is a.k.a. Monster Hunter 6. Mm-hmm. Monster Hunter has this, even though they stopped numbering the games, there's always been this theme where in the logo there's these sort of like uh, dragon heads on the logo representing the number game that it is. Mm-hmm. And Monster Hunter World was Monster Hunter 5 because it had these little, like, dragon heads, five dragon heads on the illustration. And now Monster Hunter 6 has six of these little dragon heads on the illustration. Right. Basically letting fans know, hey, this is Monster Hunter 6. We don't number it anymore because people don't buy games with, num- with big numbers on them. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah, Monster yeah, Hunter... Yeah, that's, uh, that's another topic. 
<laughs> Monster Hunter. I mean, is yeah, well, that's another shot. Let's not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Monster Hunter Wilds. We don't really know much. It's uh, there's going to be more info in summer of 2024. Um, the trailer itself didn't really say a whole lot. I guess it's really the point it was trying to make across is that like imagine you have like a wide open savanna. Right. You know? I mean it's like that Okay, I'm not in as invested in Monster Hunter I know as you're you not. are. Okay. But I, I appreciate the games and I appreciate the mechanics. Monster Hunter World in particular kind yeah. of changed the trajectory of the series. It went from being this sort of popular but still niche series mm-hmm. to something with more wide appeal. And so there, there's a lot of fervor behind Monster Hunter now as a series, which I'm happy for Capcom. Right. It, it's about time. It deserves it. Uh, that's all fine and good. Uh, but what I was going to say was playing the earlier Monster Hunter games, they did feel like that. I had a giant savanna to run around. Yeah, but they, much like we were talking about Honkai Star Rail, sort of these separate little areas but with loading screens. Right. That's how. Okay. So and it's... then... Monster Hunter World kept the separate, like, little areas in the map system, but there was no more loading screen when you went between each of the little areas. Right. This looks to actually be taking it, and I know it's kind of a cliche at this point, but it's looking to make Monster Hunter more of an open world, which I think is not necessarily the right move. Because, like, what's interesting about Monster Hunter is that each of these little individual areas Mm -hmm. is sort of like an arena. And, like, there's all kinds of environmental right. things going on in each of these arenas and ways you can interact with the monsters. Going to, like, an area on the map felt like a level that you were going to run through real fast. Yeah, they each kind of have their own unique feel to each area. Right. Um, whereas if you have, like, a, just a big open environment that's, like, just all... I mean, I'm sure they're not dumb enough to make this mistake. I'm sure they know the risk of, like, okay, we can't just have a big flat area that's open, right. you know? Um, but, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be this similar experience still. It's just, you know, separate scenes versus one giant scene yeah. with procedural loading. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. I mean, the trailer doesn't say anything. All the trailer says is, like, Monster Hunter 6 is coming. Look at this really big vista. And yeah. we're calling it wild. It was just, like, it showed a stampede of this one creature. Yeah. And that was, that was like a teaser. Chasing, that, yeah. It was a teaser. That was a hard teaser. Yeah, this is a probably mid twenty twenty five game. If yeah. I had to oh, guess, yeah, yeah. at at the, at the latest or the earliest. Um. So, anyways, I'm just excited. I'm I love Monster Hunter. I'm there day one for the series. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was a little whelmed by the trailer, but I'm just happy that it's it's announced and that it's happening. And we're going to get more information yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, just you know, new Monster Hunter game. Yeah, new Monster Hunter game. Um, Square Enix had maybe my favorite announcement of the show mm-hmm. like in terms of like what a surprise came out of nowhere mm-hmm. like where light no fire like blew me away but like i think what i'm looking forward to the most in the near term is the new uh mana game yes and this is visions of mana the first new mana entry in 15 years so maybe you're familiar with secret of mana on the super nintendo that seems to be the title that most people Mm -hmm. are familiar with my so i can speak to this franchise a little bit um children of mana on ds was my first one okay and i couldn't get enough well did you play final fantasy adventure on Game, on Boy? Game Boy? No, I mean... That's tech, that's actually Yeah, but you don't need game. to play that. Yeah. You don't need to no. play that. Um, no, I mean, they're all mostly independent from each other. Um, 
I played one final... What the heck was it? Final Fantasy Legends on Game Boy. That's the Saga series. Yeah. Legends is the Saga series. It's final so Fantasy. weird. Yeah, so Final Fantasy Adventure started Mana, and then Final yeah. Fantasy Legends started the Saga series. Yeah, so That's... they didn't want to name it. They they kept the Final Fantasy branding thinking it would help them sell the more copies yeah, of the game, right. even though they have... This is before Squaresoft figured out yeah. how they were going to do their North American releases. Yeah, so yeah. they just slapped Final Fantasy this on This was everything. during the era when they named, like... Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy II, yeah, and that kind of just thing. doing making all kinds of egregious yeah. mistakes yeah, that they terrible. would come to regret later. <laughs> they just abandoned it later. Yeah, um, but yeah, Children of Mana was like this game that blew my mind on DS, and then playing Secret of Mana, the remake on PS4, super difficult. They yeah. did not like skimp on the difficulty in the no, remake like, like they didn't dumb it down at all it's as difficult it, as it yeah. was original yeah it's just you got 3d graphics yeah. still got the same top-down view yeah still the same classical mana mechanic which i loved to see in the new trailer yeah it looked like a huge evolution oh yeah on like the mana mechanic but uh still obviously present this is a mana game getting a massive huge budget it appears i hope so like this it's it's beyond it's gotta be one of the nicest it's looking so, games I've so ever beyond seen. freaking time for this yeah um you know they've had some remakes and some remasters in recent years and i think sales have been good and so they finally said you know what here's the money you've been wanting to make a new one yeah like a big new one like a triple a mana game right that's what this looks like yeah the colors the visuals the environments it all looks fantastic it looks like it has really nicely done cutscenes, just from the little bits of things that we saw in the trailer like it's it's a high product this is like a day one normally with square enix games they dip in price but i'm supporting this day one when yeah. it comes out um I, i'm really excited for this game and i think it said it's next year um what do i oh maybe i, I no maybe it didn't say a year but yeah visions of mana mm. i can't wait yeah. out of left field nobody yeah. saw this no coming. one yeah we we were trying to guess or at the moment like what was this gonna be dragon well Quest? you know that morning square enix filed a trademark for visions of mana. oh so people knew okay well but like there's like 20 different like mana games that are like mobile gotcha junk really that are like low effort kind of stuff so people were like oh it's probably you know some other um but then when this got unveiled people it blew nobody nobody expected this yeah no no one if we were getting a new mana game no one thought it would look like this. i will be playing this i will be playing this so you have uh, a particular game you wanted to talk about that was, uh, or not announced, but it got a new trailer. Right. So, um, from what I've seen, like, going three years back, I've seen, you know, the developer talking about this game, uh, you know, in various places on the internet. Uh, and also at Gamescom, I believe they mm -hmm. re revealed a trailer. But Yeah, this game has been getting, like, a steady release of new trailers over the last... Several yeah. years. It looks like a years-long project. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it is. Yeah. Because their last game... Well, they had a game come out in... Oh, this is Game Science is the developer, and they're a Chinese developer. Mm -hmm. Their last game was uh, Legend of 100 Heroes, which came out in 
2022. Oh, okay. They've obviously been working on this game longer, way longer. This must be like a separate team working their, on their the other one. Their previous game before that one was uh, Art of War: Red Tides back yeah. in 2016. Okay, and you know, there's been a huge influx of. Like, like the Chinese game scene has exploded. Yeah. Like, and like really great. I don't know if Genshin Impact is a cause or a symptom, but that's, (laughs) it seems connected. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that we're getting more Asian created games. No, not at all. Yeah. And you know, China has so much rich history mm-hmm. and just mythology to pull from oh yeah they have well, yeah and, I mean, japan does that and has done that yeah you know and but, so i'm excited to get another perspective yeah. on asian and this is like from what i understand this game which i don't have we even said the title yet no i'm talking about it and you just took it okay all right so let me give well, back sorry to, i thought we were sharing this we are let me let me get into the meat here and then dan will share um so this game is Black Myth Wukong from Game Science. Okay. And if you look at the t- the trailer that was shown, um, and this is the first I am hearing about this game. I'll be honest oh, okay. and stuff. So I didn't actually know about the developer or about like the history of this project. But uh, looking at the trailer, the aesthetic, and the you know just the creature design, especially, uh, just had a huge impact on me. When I saw it, you know, like, I was like, this is fresh. Well, you play like, as a, like, what? Um, an ape. Yeah. The main player So Okay, so the game is either based on or inspired by Journey to the West, yes. which is a novel from China in, like, the 1600s. Yeah. Which is a very famous novel and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of the creature design and stuff looks like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, if you think of Lovecraft, even though he was an author and didn't have, like, artwork or anything necessarily, you know what his creatures looked like. Right. You know, and that's that's kind of, like, how I feel yeah. about this. Um, Visually, yeah. The, I mean, like, the creatures, it's just, like, and that trailer just, like, hits you one after another yeah. with... And then they, they, they just side note, they tried to follow that trailer with some Marvel <laughs> And I'm like, no, no. End the show. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so now, now we can share. I just wanted to oh, okay. like, tell what the game was. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think you pretty much said anything I would have contributed. It, it was just fresh. Like, this is fresh. This, like, game, the, so, like, one of my big complaints, and, I, and it's not about the game awards, but just games in general these days, they look so the same yeah. like i just i none of them stand out well see i have a feeling this game is going to be a a souls like game sure in terms of its probably gameplay, probably although I, I can't really be too sure but that's just the vibe i kind of get it seems to be very focused on like boss battles mm-hmm. or like battles with big creatures which is kind of what right like, souls games are all about um, i, I kind of hope it's more action yeah Rather than like, I hope it's, there's more exploration. Than, yeah, than just. Yeah, I, don't, I played Neo. I don't play Dark Souls, but I did play Neo. Okay, uh, and it's linear. Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of op- uh, there's a lot of big areas, but they're linear. Well, I think Dark Souls those those games have never really been open world until the new El- until Elden Ring came out. That's mm-hmm. when they gave you know the the soul spin on like a big open world. Right. 
Um, but yeah, Black Myth Wukong looks amazing. I hope it comes out soon. People have been like looking at that game as sort of like almost like vaporware. Mm-hmm. Like when is, is this ever coming out? That is just something that happens with yeah. games that have long development cycles and like where they're public about it for a really yeah. long time too. And you know, there are a lot of reasons why developers do that. Especially, this is a young developer, okay? This is someone that, like, game science, they're not some legacy long-term developer. I think, I think Art of War was their first title. I mean, the, the, there's money behind this game, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it must be a huge team working on this. Or a very small team with a lot of money and time. I don't know if they're publishing themselves or who's giving the money. Yeah, I'm not sure. They, yeah. Um, but some, someone is publishing or bankrolling the effort and like, they're just letting them bake. They're just letting them cook. Yeah. As people like to say. Um, so yeah, let them cook, let them finish it, let them do it on their terms. That's awesome. I have a couple guesses who it could be. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's Tencent, maybe it's, uh, any number of, uh, or, you know, maybe it's not. Yeah, um, you know, like there are independently funded Chinese games like Genshin Impact. And, yeah, you know, uh, it could. Yeah, I mean, uh, directors and stuff do talk to private investors. And you know, part of the reason why they they announce games so early is because they're looking for investors. Yeah, is because they're looking to hire people. You know, gamers like to be like, well, why did they announce the game so early if it's not coming out yeah, for four years? It, well, it's because it's not a, the trailer's not gamers for Gamers don't understand yeah. a whole lot. It's like, how can we attract talent if we don't have anything to show anyone what we're doing? The developer, the person making the game, has to worry about their livelihood and how they're going to do the thing. Yeah. And they need to show something for that. Exactly. Um, But, you know, yeah, they have been rolling this game out publicly for at least three years, as, as far as I saw. And I'm super excited. I will be playing this game on day one in... August 2024 when it comes out. Oh, it does have a release date. Yeah. Okay, nice. All right, we've wrapped up our discussion on the announcement, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. And we're back from our break. Uh, What we want to talk about now is the Game Awards have an award problem. Uh, We have 32 award categories, and this year only 10 were presented, you know, with an actual acceptance. Yeah, so only... 10 of the 32 awards had someone walk up on stage, accept the award from a presenter. And that means 22 other awards were announced rapid fire style. Just on a list, on screen, Jeff Keighley talking. This guy, or this one, and the award goes to this game. And the award goes to this game. Literally, he reads the award, the winner, award, winner. Like, it was was kind of ridiculous. For, you know, and it was especially upsetting because these are people have flown in from around the world Mm -hmm. thinking that they're probably going to have the opportunity to they probably they probably have a speech in their pocket yeah and you know right before this show came on they found out that if they win they won't be speaking yeah and that's That's, gotta be a disappointment yeah and some of these categories i can maybe understand that they don't well, like, I mean, I would prefer to go to a show where every single one of these awards, maybe excluding some of the esports stuff, mm-hmm. is, is announced on stage with a formal acceptance. Right. Um, but 
I think the esports and stuff should get their time. Like, uh, you probably feel stronger than I do. I mean, about there's that. probably the esports. There's probably an esports award ceremony. There already. probably is, yeah, and there's if not, there should it should have its own thing. I'm I sure feel it like. does. Um, but some of these I noticed while they were getting rapid fired at me were art director. Yeah, or you know, art like, direction. Yeah, yeah. Art, art direction. Uh, game was game direction presented on stage. I think that one was on stage. Okay. I think usually game of the year, game direction, like was, action game wasn't even announced. On yeah, stage. that that was a big one. Um, all the other cat like genre categories were the same way too. Yeah, there were like I think racing and sports game, fighting game was yeah. just in a year where we had Mortal Kombat. It was one, unbelievable. Street Fighter Six. Why? Why did they not get a moment? Yeah, to, like we had some big contenders. Yeah, like uh, that was bizarre. Um, it didn't make sense. Was indie best indie presented on stage? I think uh, indie debut was presented on stage. No, one of the indie awards was presented on stage. The one that got Cocoon won, right? I think so. Oh, yeah, because the publisher, the developers didn't show up, but the publisher accepted the award on right. their behalf. Right. Um, so the publisher didn't really have a whole lot to say beyond, like, recognizing the right. team that right. created the game. Um, but, but, yeah, it was just disappointing. And then for the 10 awards that did go on stage, they had all of 30 seconds mm-hmm. to do their speech before Jeff Keeley's team started playing them out yeah. with the music. It was obvious... It, it was, was embarrassing. It was like, I hate to use the word cringe, but it was like, yeah, oh it, my it God. was very cringy, and also like it was obvious the intention or ambition on Keeley's part on the team's part. Hey, like, I got more. Yeah, I like, got more ads to I show. I have more. Yeah, exactly. People paid for world premieres, and that's what this is about. Yeah, like that's really the message. You know what the most telling thing is, is that they're the industry icon award has not been a part of the show for like four or five years now. Really? The first, I want to say four or five shows, every year there was an industry icon award I remember. presented to someone. I remember. And this to me was one of maybe the best award out of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Because it gave an opportunity to recognize someone or a group of people who have been in the industry since like the heyday and mm-hmm. celebrate their achievements their life and everything that they contributed it was kind of like the one video game history award exactly and it just went away and like they went all out like there was like a five minute like little mini documentary that would play i remember that they gave them a bunch of time to come speak it would be someone from like the dos and commodore 64 days one of the years it was ken and roberta williams from sierra online yeah uh, who made like the King's Quest games yep. and all, yeah, all those classics. That's the one I remember. One year it was Hideo Kojima. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, another year it was uh, the guy at EA who like pioneered a bunch of like the early sports titles and even did Clay Fighters. Yeah. The, um, I from, can't remember his name off the top of my head. From Interplay? Because that Interplay published. I. I I know for a fact he worked on Clay, but I looked it up and I remember you weren't there that year and I sent you a message and I was like, oh my God, the guy who made Clay Fighters is mm. is accepting an in, the Industry Icon Award. It's Clay Fighter. Excuse me. <laughs> Added an S. My apologies. Um, 
and uh, I think that was the last one. Yeah, I don't that's think crazy. there had been another one, and that was like twenty eighteen. I want to say. Yeah. So this, I mean, and I like I would go to the award show anticipating who the industry icon award winner would be. Now it was interesting last year. They had Ken and Roberta Williams back mm-hmm. as presenters for an award. Right. Um, I think maybe the Game Direction Award. Um, right. And they, like, touted them as being, like, previous winners of right. the industry. Or, technically, it was just Roberta who won the Industry Icon Award, not not her. Because she was the one who was, like, writing the games, coming up with the stories, things like that. She yep. was an early uh, woman in the video game industry yeah. when there really weren't any. Right. Um, so I think that's particularly why they recognized her. But, um, yeah, it's just been disappointing to see that award just fall by the way. And I yeah. have actually, I don't want to say harass Jeff, but he will often do these Q&As on Reddit or AMAs on Reddit, Q&As on Twitter and different areas. And he's actually responded to me in previous years. I'd be like, hey, is there going to be an industry icon award? And he'll reply saying... No, not this year. We don't, you know, he gives some excuse. What, what's his excuse? Well, you have I think to in 2021, us. he replied to one of my comments on Reddit and he said, oh, because of COVID. Um, oh, no, like, we can't do that award because, yeah, you know, you the know, virus. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like he, he had some excuse like, I want to sell, or no, it was 2020 that he replied to me because that's when he said, I really want to celebrate the Industry Icon Award with a room full of their peers. You know, which, okay, I get it. You're not going to do it during the pandemic because you probably can't have them there and they probably can't get the standing ovation that they deserve. Right. So 2021 rolls around. No, industry icon awards a no show. 2022 rolled around. No show. 2023, another no show. Yeah. You know why this award, he has to pay for it. Yeah. That's why it's a piece of his show's time. And while it was an awesome thing that he was doing originally, He's just decided that yeah, it's, it's not worth the time. It's not worth the loss of yeah. money. I could be making a million dollars in ad revenue during that 10-minute segment. Which he is. He probably well, is. Well, I mean, but he could be selling, yeah. you know, trailers, yeah. world premieres. Right, yeah. During... Which, which is what he's doing. Yeah. Instead. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that... he It's not an award show anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're going to rapid-fire a bunch of award names and then the winner, that's not an award show. Like, and then the rest of the three hours is spent with trailers. So, okay, with trailers. And then there was one other really disgusting segment, I would say. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. So Jeff Keighley is very close friends with someone who I revere. Uh, and, same. Yeah. Uh, Hideo Kojima uh, comes out on stage and announces his new game, O.D., Mm-hmm. And this announcement is done by Kojima walking out of this door, very reminiscent of the door from the PT demo. Mm-hmm. And he walks out of the stage and he goes and starts talking with Jeff. And then like two minutes later, oh, well, they play some weird trailer. That's yeah. just people going pee pie fo fum pee pie fo fum yeah, yeah or whatever it <laughs> yeah was. like some like voice acting uh, like exercise before you start uh, speaking. Yeah, it was one of those just. Kojima being weird for the sake of being weird. To no, that that voice thing that they were all saying is actually a commonly used industry 
like thing that people read through and say yeah. before I've seen it that those exact words. I mean the pr- the overall presentation, yeah, the, the props and the, yeah. the trailer itself. It was it looked like he was just scanning, being them. weird to be weird, yeah, and get people interested in talking, yeah. So he comes out on stage, and then the trailer plays, and then Jordan Peele comes out on stage along with him, the famous Hollywood yeah, yeah, yeah. movie director, formerly comedian, funny person. He was great on it in Mad TV. Um, and you know now he takes himself very seriously. Very, yeah, very. Very seriously. Very. And the two of them proceed to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a PG-13 way to say this, but basically... They're just tugging each other's chain. Yeah, they're and just being like, "Wow, you're so amazing." No, yeah, you're just, so amazing. Yeah, just comment. Yeah, complimenting each other. This like, goes on for nearly ten minutes ad nauseum. Jordan Peele talking about how what a legionary. Like I, you know what? There's okay. As much as I respect Hideo Kojima, it's when, when okay when when you get announced on stage mm-hmm. and your entrance is. The visionary game designer. What, what the... Like, how pretentious do you have to be to be, uh, like, introduced as the I mean, visionary game designer? And I'm not saying way, he isn't. Well, let's say... I mean, let's talk about, like, the way people react for him. He he probably feels that it's warranted. Yeah. I mean, people I, have, like, a rock star-like fervor. For Kojima more than any other person, any other game developer. Yeah, I get that. I do get that. Uh, Like, he makes grown men, like, scream. Yeah, I know. And cry and do all kinds of stuff. Um, Um, Now, I'm not not saying it's not pretentious. Definitely is. And it's, it's annoying how far down this, like rabbit hole he's gone where if he's... he if he ever has a downfall i feel like this will be the catalyst like this is yeah. g- what's gonna lead like if to this it. game ends up being a wet fart yeah like and like it's garbage and then everybody starts like disliking this is him. what happens when you get that pretentious yeah you think you can put out some and you start talking like you are the like the inventor of new genres and Brand new concepts that the world has never seen before. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he gets asked about what kind of game is it. Yeah. And he he literally he goes on for like two minutes telling you absolutely nothing, and yeah. then ending it like it's something that's never been seen before. Yeah, basically. And then that just makes you want to go. He said the same thing about Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. He created a brand new genre. Yeah, the Stranding. It's genre. a Strand game. Right. Strand game. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that's just is that is, okay? Did you play it? Uh no, okay. I haven't played right. it, but I've heard it's it's not it's not that revolutionary. Yeah, I mean it does interesting, unique things, mechanics, new mechanics, yeah. as every game has, right? But it is not a new genre. It's a third person. Yeah, game. okay, okay. It's a third person adventure game. Yeah. You made a third person adventure with action game. elements. It's not a strand game, whatever that, because that doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Um, now this game is being made in partnership with Xbox Game Studios, mm-hmm. and it will apparently only be an Xbox. Well, game. I mean, his name is Money, you know. His yeah. like you're gonna have the oh. console holders themselves, you know, drooling over. Yeah, like. Well, rumor has it that Death Stranding wasn't as big of a hit as people. I mean, it was a hit. 
but it didn't maybe pull in the kind of money that you know you would maybe expect or sell as many titles you would maybe expect from the creator of metal gear solid i think kojima maybe has a bit of a problem where if it's not a metal gear solid game Mm -hmm. you know you're gonna limit the size of your audience quite a bit because you're really only going to get your diehard followers i think if he introduced like a new military stealth game that wasn't metal gear solid but clearly the spiritual successor he would probably pull in hard numbers like heavy numbers so we're talking about this a lot and i have more to say about this announcement it was um people have been examining this trailer Mm -hmm. as of course you would expect people to do with any they're looking for all kinds of clues and hints and riddles and all that so they found it okay so there's these brief one frame the letters that pop up during the course of the trailer, mm-hmm. um, like hidden in various places and like people's mouths and in like the little corner of their lip and stuff like that. And it spells A T A M I, Atami, which people have kind I, I don't, I can't, I don't have the, the information in front of me, but long story short, people are tying this through a few. I don't want to call them leaps of logic, but connections of logic. Um, <laughs> to Silent Hill. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, which would be kind of crazy, given Kojima's falling out with... Konami. Konami. Um, but, yeah, it appears that this... It might have just been something tongue-in-cheek well, he threw in there. Yeah. Or maybe he is hinting at some sort of partnership. Yeah. I would be too. I mean, he's the master troller when it comes to like announcing games. Uh, yeah. Let's never forget about Rojam Mopam, dude. Right. The yeah. guy covered in bandages. I, I guess I Moby Dick games. Right. I yeah. I guess I'll grant him that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just I don't know. I I've gotten so over his like tactic. Of, yeah. you know, it's obvious what he does. Get, show them something weird mm-hmm. and put a bunch of riddles in it. Mm-hmm. And when a- Jeff Keeley asks, so what is this game? Tell him nothing. Give him word salad, like yep. word lasagna yep. and walk off. And everyone will talk about it and the media will like do its thing it's great they spent eight minutes saying nothing yeah nothing. meanwhile yeah. it was jordan P- like meanwhile no. two-thirds of the awards were not allowed to speak a word yeah which but kojima gets eight to ten minutes disgusting. to say nothing on stage it's disgusting and it was just jordan peele coming out complimenting kojima telling him what a visionary he is and then kind of insinuating that he sees himself as, uh, you know, a somewhat equal visionary or on par in some degree. Right, and they're collaborating. Right, and game. they're collaborating. And, and apparently and, Kojima's collaborating with even more famous. Yeah. He says he's assembled, like, the, the dream team. Yeah, he wants his own, like, troupe of, like, Hollywood A-listers. Yeah, and he's got him. I mean, I didn't recognize... He really touted the three actors that are being featured in this game yeah that's what he cares about which i had never heard of any of them Mm -hmm. um it looked like maybe they were like foreign european or something like that regardless uh, it's i don't know it's 
Jordan Peele. I mean, I know Kojima's a really big film buff. Yeah, he, yeah. And I, and he's had this obsession with Hall, and it all started with replacing David Hayter with Kiefer Sutherland for Metal Gear Solid 5. Mm. Right. And since then, it's basically just, just been yeah, like, constant, like, like every single p- character in his game has to be a scan of a famous person. Right. And, you know, whatever character they're playing. Not what I want to see. No. Like, it's not at all my I mean, priority. This game could very well be awesome, incredible, yeah, right. amazing, awe-inspiring. And I'm sure OD is not the final title either. I'm well, sure apparently internally, because this game leaked... Uh, or like a very early like demo that was privately shown to people. Mm-hmm. It was known as Overdose. Oh, okay. So maybe oh, it's still okay. Overdose. Right. But it's supposed to be a scary game. It's supposed to be like a horror game of some kind. Okay. But also, of course, not a horror game because this is a new right, genre yeah, this of is games. new, yeah. All avant-garde and yeah. Kojima, you know. He's a visionary. He's a visionary game designer. That's right. Uh, yeah, I mean he is. He is. I'm not. Yeah, but yeah. It's just annoying when they rub yeah, it like, in your face. You gotta be. It's like if Albert Einstein went around everywhere yeah, and said, like, "I'm the genius, smart... genius philosopher, <laughs> genius mathematician." Albert, Albert Einstein. Einstein. Yeah, that's just. He is. Yeah, you know, but it's like, do you, do you really gotta be that in in people's faces about it? Right. Like, I wonder if he feels the need to like. Because he knows about everyone in Hollywood, right? Right. But not everyone in Hollywood knows about Hideo Kojima. True. It's like, I mean, he must have some kind of, like... There must be some agent he has that connects him. That's got to be... And and sits them down and goes, Do you want to meet with the world's most famous, most incredible, most well-known, most... Visionary game designer. (laughs) Whoa, it's this guy? He's like, think about you would be having a meeting with like the the man the greatest mind in video games today. Uh, yeah, you know, they, like, they it's they like probably... working with the Scorsese of video we're, games. We're like we're playing out how like that happens. I can't imagine most of these people maybe they've heard of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. They're, no, I doubt Meryl Streep knows who Kojima is. Yeah, but you know? I mean, if, if Kojima wants to work with Meryl Streep, yeah, it's gonna happen. He would probably make it yeah, happen. Yeah, he somewhere. would ha- make. He it now happen. has enough connections and enough friends. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the way actors work and the way you recruit actors is through their agencies, and yeah. you know, Kojima. I'm sure. But here's here's a little fun fact about uh, Jeff Keighley. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a nepo baby. <laughs> Explain his parents like, um nepo baby okay so th- it's kind of a joke but there's this thing where like all of the famous like hollywood people from you know that are like now in their 50s 60s 70s now all oh. have these 20 year old children yeah, that yeah, are yeah. basically taking over and becoming the actors nepotism and stuff. baby I yeah see. okay gotcha um so people are quick to label everyone like nepo babies right because th- their career just takes off because they're yeah they're i mean they have a huge advantage over probably. 100%. I'm not <laughs> like refuting anything. Massive yeah, yeah. They've probably been in acting lessons yeah. their whole entire life. Yeah, uh, and they got the last name. And, yeah, yeah just, exactly. Yeah. All the connections you could hope to have. 100%. There you get are your foot in the door every single yeah. time. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, but we're not here to talk about those kind of Nepo babies. Uh, I'm here to talk about Jeff Keighley. His parents are like the founders of like IMAX. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. And 
basically when Jeff Keighley in the 90s was getting into E3 and making a name for himself as like a teenager, mm-hmm. E3, you weren't allowed to have kids at E3, mm-hmm. but because Jeff Keighley's parents were, yeah. uh, you know, Yeah, you IMAX had to be people, over 18. Yeah, the IMAX people, well then Jeff Keighley could get into whatever he right, wanted. Right, It's kind of like when, was it, I don't remember if it was Kanye West or Jay-Z, just showed up at E3 and just got in, even right. though he's not industry. Right. Because he's a celebrity. He's working on a game. Yeah. Did you know that Nintendo had a meeting? Shigeru Miyamoto had a meeting with Kanye for Kanye's weird dream angel baby mother game. I don't even know about that. Yeah. And Kanye never... Um, the game never released, but like Miyamoto was asked about it at one point and I, he offered some like confusing sentiment. But I guess like Kanye wanted nintendo to be involved somehow yes i've i've seen that happen too where celebrities come up with these ideas for games knowing nothing yeah. about game design really um i mean he, he he had some like vision and then hired people to yeah make like a a game design document yeah i mean it had like some like kind of there's a trailer of this game okay so you can i don't think it's gameplay i think it's just sort of like something playing out pre-rendered right but it looks it looked interesting. Um, you know, I don't mean to like. I like Jeff Keighley. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I think you know, in the wake of like, especially we're going to talk about E three a lot next week. But in the wake of E 3s demise, you know, he's the only one that's really trying to rally the industry together to sort of like singular tentpole events where like we could have that kind of, yeah. like, announcement palooza that, you know, we used to have. Right. Um, and so I appreciate that, but I almost feel like why... It's just... It's weird when it's under the guise of an award show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate Jeff Keighley. I appreciate what he does overall for the industry. Like, you know, he's... He's not... You know, he's not like these CEOs we talk about sometimes. Right. You know, he's not Jim Ryan and stuff. No. It's not on that level. He likes games. He plays games. He's a genuine interest. He did, like, real journalism at one point in his career. Right. Um, Like, he made documentaries about, like, the making of Half-Life and with Valve a long time ago. Like, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's done genuine, legitimate work, you know, contributing to the games. And he's still contributing to the industry. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just... His, it's his direction yeah. right now. I mean, the Game Awards are just seemingly getting worse. Yeah, they're they're I mean, getting a lot worse. I, uh... Well, this may be the best announcements we've ever had at a Game Awards. Yeah, the announcements were good. Because some years, the announcements are not yeah, great. Yeah, there were some of like, that, where it's dude. like, yeah. shooter game after shooter game after shooter game. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there have been past years where the... Uh, award acceptance situation was a lot better. Yeah. But the announcements and world premieres were just forgettable as all hell. But, uh, yeah, this year the trailers were actually really good. And then we had the disappointment kind of come with just, you know, the rapid fire presentation. It was like, okay, well, what about me? Let's get this award crap out of the way. So So I'm really curious to see how he, does he overcorrect next year? Does he take any of this to heart? He does seem like the kind of person who takes what journalists say really seriously. Yeah. Um, 
So I mean, I, he always does this thing on Twitter where he like says rate the show, mm-hmm. and he like it's a Twitter poll, and it's like A B C D, and he doesn't just do it for his own events; he does it for like Nintendo Directs, Xbox showcases, you name it. Yeah, okay. So yeah, we're kind of all getting like a. It's weird that he takes that level of interest in what people think about events and stuff, and then goes this far off of mm-hmm. you know what people would really want. Well, you know, I don't know. I hear some people saying, like, I don't care about the awards. I watch for the announcements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe, so, maybe, I mean, maybe he is just... Maybe he's hearing more of that from, like, your yeah. average person. And I didn't think anyone would... I guess, yeah, there would be people like that. Yeah, there's some people who do not care about the people that make the games. They yeah. just want their games. Yeah. That's just... Yes. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> Um, but, but but when it comes to Hollywood, it's all about the actors. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, and as we see more familiar faces, and as like facial scanning stuff becomes more common, and like celebrities are yeah characters of the games, (laughs) those people are going to overshadow one hundred percent the programmers and the modelers and the game designers. I mean, and just character designers. They don't have characters to design anymore because they. They just scan real people now. Well, you still have to design the character. You still have to design, design like, the character's traits and the Yeah, like, what stuff. they're wearing, yada, yeah. yada. But, I mean, like, I don't know, like, the w- the way people looked was, like, original. You know, maybe they had inspiration from real people. Right. I can never, ever see facial scanning replacing just being in all games. Uh, that'll never know but for games that strive to attain realism yeah i think that but i mean like in artistic games where like uh the new mana game you know like yeah, that's not gonna use facial yeah. scanning anytime soon hopefully ever. i don't i mean i prefer those games like those yeah. are the games i actually play yeah um games like death stranding that really shoot for this and lot the last of us they really shoot for this hollywood presentation I tend to pass them up. Yeah. Not even intentionally. Sometimes just subconsciously. Yeah. I know. I'm with you. Yeah. I've been... Like, especially PlayStation's offerings, I find myself, like, less and less... Yeah. ...interested in the, like, the really gritty, you know, realistic kind of... I mean... It's... You know the games are so big and crazy that it's just intimidating. Yeah. You know, I don't... I don't have time for that. I'm going to go play an indie game. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I guess that's why indie games exist, because of people... Or, or a JRPG, or, yeah. you know, something, something Something cute. even bigger. Something cute. Gotcha. Okay, so I think that about wraps up our Game Awards discussion. Yeah. Um, I went to an event after the Game Awards, or the next day after the Game Awards. Uh, you were You were pretty beat. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. I work nights, so this was just... Even being at the Game Awards was extreme. I had to basically be up for, what, 48 hours? You 24? worked the night before the Game Awards. Yeah. You didn't sleep during the day. Then we go to the Game Awards. You're awake the whole time. Yeah. And then I drop you off at work. Yeah, that's right. So And that's how you didn't get to sleep until... At least 36 hours. Oh, that was like two full days. Yeah, yeah 48 then. sleep, Which is insane. So you did not come with me to Day of I the just, Devs. I, I intended to, but couldn't yeah um so i went to day of the devs um 
Game Awards edition. So this was specifically kind of done in partnership with the Game Awards. Although, never once during the Game Awards did they mention that there was like an indie event happening the next day. That's kind of weird. With their name on it. Yeah. Um, you know, in person, like there, there's no time. The whole industry is here. You should be telling them, "Hey, there, there's no time. Come to Day of the Devs tomorrow, over in the Garment District." Um, we have to live, listen to Sydney Goodman tell jokes. Yes, it, I, they must give her the worst jokes on purpose, right? Because her uh, jokes were not funny. Yeah, I th- I think yeah, there's supposed to be some meme energy to her. Or something. Yeah, like oh, I don't. By the way, like Sydney Goodman, I'm not crapping on her. She, she's she's doing, doing her job. job. Yeah, yeah. She's reading the teleprompter, yeah. like you know, she's like she signed up for. She yeah. probably is not writing any of the things that she's saying. Um. So yeah, real quick for those that don't know, Sydney Goodman was sort of like Jeff's co-host you could yeah. say she would pop in from time to time i think she announced a couple she does announce awards. a couple she she's kind of if it's just jeff the whole time like you know that's yeah just too you know they need to have some dynamicness yeah. there yeah you know. i mean they're never interacting together not really no no except but. maybe at the tail end or something maybe i think i saw I'm, them on stage together okay. once but, um, so back to the Day of the Devs. Uh, the Day of the Devs is this indie event uh, hosted by, we talked about this the previous week, actually, but yeah. it's hosted by I Am 8-Bit um, and uh, Double Fine Double Productions. Fun. And uh, they had, I want to say it was like 30-some games on display. What, is it like a convention show floor type No, setup? it's done in like kind of a like a trendy warehouse kind of environment. Oh, okay. Like it's like a, a big kind of open... Like shabby chic, unfinished y- art studio kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. I got okay. like the exposed beams and yeah. stuff like that. Gotcha. It was a nice a nice venue for sure. But no, not like a huge convention floor. But it did have that kind of convention-y sort of energy to it with the demo kiosk everywhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe the thinnest TVs... I have ever seen on my life that oh, they really? used to play these really? games. Like, I'm not kidding you. It looked like a piece of paper. Like, if you were standing at the right angle, you couldn't even, like, see the TV. Are you serious? I'm serious. What? That, <laughs> I walked out of there being like, wow, that might have been, like, the craziest thing I saw here. Yeah. Now, I did. I played a few games. <laughs> um, Forget the games. <laughs> the TV blew. The TV they were all using blew me away. Yeah. Like, geez. that's some next-gen stuff. I, I don't know what was going on. Uh, but there were three games in particular that I played. The first of which was Xenotilt, Hostile Pinball Action. Okay. Love that, love that name. Um, and this is a, a sort of a pseudo-sequel to the that uh, team's previous game demons tilt mm-hmm. which is it's like a a very very interactive pinball game mm-hmm. um and it's got all kinds of crazy effects and particle things going on um you had talked about this privately yeah, yeah. um i have a copy of De- demons tilt and think one of the devs was there one of the two devs that mm-hmm. make the game was there so he signed my copy of demons tilt um but uh, I played the demo, really enjoyed it, got to grab it. The music in the game, it sounds like it's made by Yuzo Koshiro. It sounds like Streets of Rage, like, style music. Like, it was, like, Genesis sound chip, mm-hmm. like, all the way. Like, just a really great vibe. Enjoyed the game a lot. The next two games I played are a little more non-traditional. Okay. 
I played a game called Give Me Toilet Paper. So these are like indie indie. These are like what we saw like... Some of them... Like indiecade type stuff. Some of them are like indiecade-esque. Okay. And some of them are, you know, more traditional. Okay. Uh, but Give Me Toilet Paper uh, is a Nintendo Switch game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they'll ever how they will ever sell this uh i mean because you're basically required to kind of have some of your own props at home in order to make this work okay but the idea of the controller setup is that you stick a joy con inside like a roll of toilet paper that hasn't been used yet Mm -hmm. so it's still like kind of got that seal on it you know before you yeah right right right. unwrap like stuck together yeah um and then you have like a piece of cardboard that uh, you will roll the toilet paper back and forth on. Okay. And the the cardboard kind of has like a curvature to it, so it doesn't like go flying off your right. flying off. So your this computer. is a total like science project game. Kinda. And now the gameplay itself is um, basically what it is. Is there? There's this guy at like the bottom of the stage. He's sitting on a toilet, and mm-hmm. he's out of toilet paper. And it kind of zooms up above the guy to, like, a wall where there's, like, this toilet paper sitting on a platform. And you basically have to roll the toilet paper down, like, out of this platform maze where all these obstacles are kind of in your way, like like crazy razors and sharp things. And you have to, like, get it to the guy at the bottom of the stage. And then, you know, he grabs the toilet paper when it falls close enough to him. And he's Mm -hmm. like, thanks. Um, and there was like, I only played a handful of the stages, but it looked like there was like a hundred stages at least. That's crazy. And they got like progressively like more and more weird and out there. That's the kind of stuff that there's really not any potential of selling big numbers, but you love to see it. Yeah. Like, cause it's, there's the creativity of the developer. I feel like next year, if you're, you're in the same situation you were this year where you're, you have to work the night of the game awards. Mm-hmm. I say, and they're doing, yeah. uh, they're doing the day of the devs, the day after the game. I awards want, again. I honestly, I would have preferred to go to the day of the devs even this year. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, had we known how it ended up being, yeah. I think, yeah, you, you should prioritize going to day of the devs next year. I yeah. think you would have had yeah. a lot more of an interesting time would have exposed you to all kinds of cool ideas um anyway so give me toilet paper i thought that was really cool kind of a novelty mm-hmm. um but we've def- seen this before yeah like indicated butt sniffing pugs yeah that, right that. um i mean that i don't know this was more fun to me this was more mm-hmm. this like, is more of a game yeah this felt like more of a game like i really liked give me toilet paper i will put I will put my kit together if this ever releases mm-hmm. or i don't know if it's just meant to be sort of a tech demo but if they ever release this, I, I will buy it and I will support Give Me Toilet Paper. Um, the other game I spent a significant amount of time with is called Home Safety Hotline. And I think there was a trailer for this during the Game Awards or at the Day of the Dev Showcase a couple days earlier. Um, and this game, it's you are essentially a um, like a customer service agent for like a home safety company mm-hmm. and you clock in first you you sit down at like a computer and it's got this very like 1990s-esque like windows mm-hmm. 95 kind of look to it right and you know you double click on the icon to open up the program you're like working remotely and uh you clock in 
and then you get calls and people are like hey i got this problem blah 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 what do you th you know what do you think it is and then you have this sort of database that you have to read through while you put the person on hold mm -hmm. and you have to figure out based on the information they gave you and the information you're reading what kind of like pest or insect or whatever that they're dealing with um and the goal is to try to get like a hundred percent like correct on like all of these and then you like like you clock out and then like the next day comes and you sign in again but then things start getting weird mm -hmm. like they're like oh we unlocked some new entries for you and now there's like entry on day two there's like entries about like weird like mold creatures and you know like strange gnomes and goblins and like different like things like that and then so and then you start getting weird calls where people are upset with you from the day before where they're like you gave me the wrong information and now this happened to me and then they like hang up on you what was the title again home safety hotline okay it's actually going to be releasing early next year they don't have an exact release date because they're worried if they announce a release date that some like big game well, will over, come yeah. out so they're like really trying to but the game is basically done they're mm -hmm. just polishing it up okay um so I, I think I played through like three or uh, they let me have a pretty extensive demo. Like I was there for a good 20, 25 minutes. Are these, any of these, do you see them, just in your opinion, do you see any of these being like physical releases, like limited like um, East Asia Soft type releases? A home safety hotline, I mean, it's definitely built for PCs. Okay. It's not like it's not impossible to make it work on a Switch, but it's like, you know, you're moving a mouse cursor around, okay. so you basically have to be using the sticks. Right. Um, I could see Home Safety Hotline definitely getting a physical release at some point. Mm -hmm. I think it's only console, or only PC at first, and then maybe depending on the success and interest, they'll consider porting it to Xbox, PlayStation, Switch. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, yeah, that... That I got into. I got, I really like, got immersed in the like, I'm a 1990s call center employee. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've had experience working. Yeah. I've, oh, yeah. So I wonder if that might be something. Home might mortgage. Not be. I've thought about making a game about doing yeah. that. Um, I haven't. I, well, I did actually play a Flash game that was you at a call center. It was on like Newgrounds or something. Oh, okay. I don't remember what it was, but. It's, have you heard of Creepypasta? Yeah. It's kind of got, like, that sort of, like, weird, creepy vibe. And, like, when it shows you, like, an image of, like, the little encyclopedia entry that you're... Or the little data entry you're reading about. Mm -hmm. Like, the image is usually, like, really grainy and blurry yeah. and, like, unsettling. It's some, like... I, I In my head, I'm envisioning what you're talking about. It's, like, some confined creature or something like yeah. that. Like, Or there was one thing where it was, like, pipe lumps. And it's like it just shows this like pipe with these like boils on it, and and then like the description is like really like strange and like, yeah. but it's like it's almost like just assuming like oh this is normal you know yeah, uh, so yeah and then and then as you get more entries unlocked it becomes harder to kind of deduce what the creature is or like what the problem is that the customer is experiencing because mm -hmm. now you have like way more things and it looked like. There must have been at least a hunt. Like, there were a bunch of options that I couldn't even see yet. Mm -hmm. And it looked like they there must have been, like, a hundred different things by the time you finally get to the end. And I'm sure the game probably starts to go 
off the rails at some point yeah. and like venture outside of you know just the call-in and probably like you're communicating with people and there's like a whole crisis and yeah like, that's the kind of feeling i like, like some a story opens up into something exactly yeah. yeah gotcha um so i don't know I, that's something i could have kept playing that because like the lady was like you can keep going but like i kept hearing people like coming up and asking her about it. she was telling them, i was like i'm sure these people want to play so yeah let me give them a chance um so those are the three games I played. There were a lot of games there. Um, and I like those kinds of environments because you can walk right up to the actual developers. Yeah. Like the actual game designer. Yeah, 99% of the demo. There were a couple demos that you could tell were being helmed by like someone not involved with the game. It was mm-hmm. sort of like an event, sort of like someone watching. Like Give Me Toilet Paper did not have the dev there. Oh, okay. That one was just... Uh, it was almost like unattended. Was that a team that did it? It's an that? individual. Okay. It had like a single person's name attached okay. to it. It was a Japanese developer. Solo dev. Um, and then uh, I Am 8-Bit, which used to have a storefront a long time ago. Yeah. During the pandemic, they closed. But they had a little pop-up shop at Day of the Devs. And I found uh, a really rare copy, something they only made a thousand of. Uh, a special variant uh, version of the Psychonauts PS4 port. Yeah. And I was able to pick up two copies, so we could each get one. Um, and they were selling these for 30 bucks. What and is the variant? The cover. Okay. Oh, the cover okay. artwork gotcha. was only sold by IM8. It is a, a release in partnership with Limited Run. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think this was maybe before... Uh, no, IM8 was already doing their own physical releases, but... Uh, yeah, this this particular artwork is only available, only a thousand made. I guess they must have not sold everything online and saved some for events. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these go for like a hundred dollars on eBay, so I was shocked to see it at like a normal price. Yeah, so I was like, I gotta grab this. Unfortunately, uh, well, let me let me. I noticed some notable industry people mm-hmm. there at the event. Unfortunately, Double Fine's president. Uh, and creative mind Tim Schafer was not in attendance so um, yeah there was at one point where the person who was seemingly running the the show did get on mic and like kind of welcomed everyone it was like an hour into the show already though Mm -hmm. Um, and he mentioned that Tim unfortunately couldn't make it Um, and I was like do you feel like that was a one off or do you think like he just doesn't come to these no he does come to them I mean I know he goes to the the main one in San Francisco. I mean, it's close to work, mm-hmm. but I know he's come to the, I've seen him at the game awards multiple times. So I guess he just didn't make it down this year for whatever reason. Gotcha. Um, but so who was running the show is Greg Rice, uh, who's the global head of PlayStation Indies. Um, I guess he does it in partnership with Tim at double fine. He used to be a, uh, double fine employee. So it kind of mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also saw Shuhei Yoshida, who's the head of independent developer initiative at Sony. Um, oh, he was there? He was there too, just wow. walking around playing games. Yeah, That's crazy that he's there. Yeah, that's his job now. Is yeah, just it's recru- recruiting yeah. indies, yeah. Um, and uh, I saw former Nintendo marketing em- executives slash employees, Kit and Krista, who are now podcasters. They have a, a show... Oh my god, the name is escaped. The Kit and Chris. Dude, I'm really jealous that I wasn't there for that. Yeah. Uh, but the one that sh- blew me away 
was Jonathan Blow was there. Oh, the I, creator that of doesn't, Braid that doesn't and surprise. The I mean, this this sounds like his kind of environment. It is. Um, now he's kind of notorious for being. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not always well liked. He says whatever's on his mind. Yeah, he always acts the way he yeah. wants to feel too. Yeah, um, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, but uh, well. I don't know if respected's the right word. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, uh, but he's made some big games. Well credentialed. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's made two games. Yeah, two games. Well, The Witness. Yeah. Is that is that what you Braid and The yeah. Witness. Yeah, okay. Those are like his two, like, yeah. my games. Big. He's worked on some other games, yeah. but those are the two games that are his. He's doing a remake of Braid right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, from the ground up remake. Um, which is kind of funny. You wouldn't think was he Phil would... Fish with him. No, I didn't see Phil Fish, but uh, it made me realize that Braid or The Witness has never released physically. Because I was like, oh my god, Jonathan Blow is here, and I started looking like, do physical copies even exist of his games? And no, they don't. I wouldn't be. Sh- I mean, I don't want to speak for the guy, but I wouldn't be shocked if he like supports digital. Um, I, I found an interview where he was talking about wanting to do something for the witness. Um, uh, but it was like, while he was still developing it, he was like, Oh, I'm, I'm not thinking about that right now, but after the game releases, but I guess it just, it never happened. Yeah. Um, cause I remember he was at the very first PlayStation experiencing a PlayStation experience in Vegas showing off the witness. They had mm-hmm. like a huge like demo area for it. It was crazy. Cause that game was pretty, pretty much for all intents and purposes, a walking sim. Yeah. Just but puzzles. It's famous cause it's him. Right. I mean, the puzzles I've heard are very good. Yeah. 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 The game. Um, it's not, it's not the most brain dead. No, walking sim. No, you gotta like, if you're going to play this game a hundred percent by yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to be racking your brain. Right. To do it, but right. you'll feel like a genius when you figure things out. There is a lot of looking around and a lot of yeah. you know just seeing or sightseeing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of not quite mist, but it had kind of that like quiet, mm-hmm. solemn. Yeah, sort of it's wandering. not an action game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, and uh, that, that's pretty much it for my experience at Day of the Devs. We're at two and a half hours. We had some news we want to talk about. Oh, yeah. But we always do. I, I think we're going to leave that for next week. Um, well, thanks for coming back. Welcome back, Rick. Yep. I'm glad to be back. Um, and uh, we're going to call it a day. And transmission. <laughs>